This is probably going to be the most chaotic episode we've had. <laughs> impression <laughs> time? Impression yeah, time? Question no, mark? I don't have any impressions. Yeah. Brooklyn There's accent. No do a Brooklyn accent. I don't know what. I can't do Brooklyn. I could do. Brooklyn. Hey guys, I'm Miles Morales. I'm from Brooklyn. I'm Spider Man. <laughs> and so today, today dude, we should do a you should do a Jason Schwartzman impression. I would love that, Jason. All right, hey, hey guys, I'm Jason Schwartzman. Jason. Yo. <laughs> I don't know how he talks. Um, Let's get one clean one without Peter interrupting. I'm letting you go for it. What's your sleep deprived agent do? Brooklyn. <laughs> What's up, guys? It's Miles Morales. I'm from Brooklyn. And today you're watching Predator vs. Movies. I'm Aiden. I'm Peter. And I'm Alex. <laughs> what? What's next? What do you say next? <laughs> And this, this is and a this podcast. Is a this and and this is and and what's a and this is a <laughs> podcast where we discuss and review the latest movie releases. We start off with a non-spoiler review before diving deep into a discussion of the film, and then we ask the most important question: Would this movie be better if the alien from Predator was in it? This week we will be reviewing Across the Spider-Verse. <laughs> You just stopped being from Brooklyn. You just started dying. Miles Morales from Brooklyn just started dying in front of me, dying in my arms. Uh, thank you, Aiden, for taking over the intro. I was not brave enough to tackle the Brooklyn accent. Uh, but before we get into our review, uh, we have some news, some movie-related news. So first off, Dwayne The Rock Johnson has crawled his way back into the Fast and the Furious franchise. Uh, he's He's awesome. made up... With he's kissed and made up with uh, Vin Diesel, whom he was previously beefing with, and he is uh, getting his own spinoff again. <laughs> he had yeah, it, and then but it's not a to it's it. not a sequel to Hobbs and Shaw. It's not a sequel. It's not a sequel to Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> it's Hobbs without Shaw. It's Hobbs sans Shaw. It's Hobbs and Hobbs, or as I like to put it, Hobbs. And the guy, whoever Ryan Reynolds was playing in the post-credit scenes of that movie. Because apparently, actually this became news very quickly afterwards. Um, There was like a report that Ryan Reynolds and Kevin Hart are likely to join the film. Who are like his usual collaborators. This is not going to be any good. (laughs) It's it's all I can say. That's going to be bad. That's, that has potentially the worst movie ever made, I'd say. <laughs> it has that energy to it. Uh, yeah. Peter, what do you think? Didn't we watch Hobbs? I, I remember watching Hobbs and Shaw. Were you yeah, there I remember watching it? Hobbs and Shaw. I actually liked Hobbs and Shaw. Like, I thought it was pretty funny in theaters. Um, but like my takeaway from this is apparently like the way they broke the news is because The Rock showed up during Fast X or some shit. And then he... like I saw this video on Twitter where it's like, you guys really liked my cameo in uh, Fast X, so we're bringing him back, baby. Hobbs is back. <laughs> like, you know, Rock doing, like, one of these selfie videos. Oh, like, I was just like, yo, dude, there's no way, man. Like, man. Fast, the Fast and Furious franchise is finally going to end, and then we still have the spin-offs you know, carrying it on. That's, that's do you know who they should funny. bring into the Fast and Furious franchise? Who? who? Ludacris. He, he is in it, no? <laughs> that's, that's, that's the joke, Actually, they should bring in Eminem. 
Dude, and then you should make rap. an original song. <laughs> <laughs> wait, Shut up and is Adam and furious? I'm madly curious. Wait, what? wait. He's not in it, right? No. no. Okay, good. good. An actual, oh mine God. was an actual suggestion. Uh, no, Elon Musk. That would be hilarious. That'd be so funny if Evan. Dude, just bunch of cyber trucks. Oh my god. Yeah. That would be so funny. Uh, this kind of got derailed. I had a question, but I don't remember what it was. Oh no. Okay, so yeah, uh, to add on to what Peter was saying, uh, Hobbs does appear in the the post credits of Fast. Oh, it's the post credits. Okay. Yeah, and they spoiled it in advance of the movie because they were hoping to get fans kind of like another movie starring the rock that uh recently yeah. did out so well and also the failure of black adam is pretty clearly why he kind of got on his knees and begged i imagine did, oh yeah for his job back you know from mm. from vin diesel yeah anyways <laughs> uh we have some tom cruise news uh Peter, Tom who's got the news, the Tom Cruise news? What do you want to tell us about? Oh my um, god, Tom, I think this is Tom hilarious. So, um, we all know there's going to be a killer weekend in July this year. Uh, Barbie and Oppenheimer dropping on the same day. Barbie and Heimer. obviously, like, um, they're all very high-budget, uh, premium-format movies that's going to probably take over the IMAX screens for the theaters. But Tom Cruise is really angry about this. You know, Tom Cruise, big support, big supporter of movies. We're going to the movies. Go to the movie theater. Yeah, but he supported also Tenet, remember he was he was very big on. <laughs> oh Tenet yeah, he was. was. Yeah, he, he recorded a video about it and everything. Um, but he's pissed because um, that means Mission Impossible doesn't get any IMAX screens. I thought they actually space out the releases so Mission Impossible won't conflict. But I guess um, the schedule yeah does overlap. I'll, I'll just clarify it's mission impossible comes out one week previous one week prior to barbenheimer barbenheimer weekend so they'll only have one week of imax screens before barbenheimer takes over most of them i imagine he's got the top nice uh (laughs) but yeah he is quite pissed and apparently he's like showing exhibitors like uh cineplex like the the companies like to like beg them to show more Mission Impossible screens, but it's funny because I heard on Twitter that he like that date was chosen after Barbenheimer. Like Barbenheimer chose their date, and then Mission Impossible came in afterwards. So it's kind of like yeah. maybe you should have thought about this. I don't know. To be f- honest, though, if there's one of those mo- one of those three out of those three movies the one i'd want to see in see an imax would be mission impossible really i thought it would be oppenheimer <laughs> yeah. for sure because it's i like, think yeah actually oppenheimer filmed in imax, filmed in IMAX. yeah seems like like that would be the one for for me i think has to be seen and but i think second would be mission impossible no i'd go mission impossible <laughs> I, I do agree. <laughs> like, I think, I think, <laughs> fair enough i do think that mission impossible will probably be the better movie that's my prediction oh really no. i th- i think out of the three i think so um no it's way. it'll be close i don't know i have i think i'm gonna love it yeah. the mission impossible franchise so do i don't like well like over nolan who has just kind of been like film bro it seems more Nick. mature for sure no but like i'm he, actually i've he, been 
I've been thinking about uh, the Dark Knight trilogy recently, and th- those are good movies, man. Those yeah, are very, bro. very good. Like that's actually that's such a clever take on uh, superheroes. I think people uh, discredit that a lot, actually. Dude, and Interstellar is fucking amazing. <laughs> Dunkirk, like, but, like my commentary on this was just gonna be like we're li- they're literally suffering from success because like we have too many mm. good movies in July, so they're all so stacked in- across two weeks from each other. But uh, you know. Hope, uh, okay, hope to get yep. that re- situation resolved soon. Probably going to see all three, you know, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> sure, yeah. I honestly don't care. That seems like that's a rich people problem, I think. So, but anyways, in other celebrity news, Scorsese visited the Pope. And he came back from that meeting and declared, and I quote, I have responded to the Pope's appeal to artists in the only way I know how by imagining and writing a screenplay for a film about Jesus. Yeah. Question. Did he not do this already? <laughs> Isn't Yeah, is that not what silence is? I thought Okay, tell me I'm crazy, but who did Am I crazy? Am I crazy? Nope, I'm not crazy. The Last Temptation of Christ. Director oh. Martin Scorsese. That is a movie he has made. Oh yeah, and yeah. I, I oh, feel yeah. like when <laughs> When people are talking about this, I'm like, did no one remember that that's a movie that exists? He's done this already. He's made a film explicitly about Jesus, like textually about Jesus already. So I don't know why he's... It's very funny for the Pope to be like, we need a movie about Jesus. And his response wasn't, have you seen the last one I did? I don't know. It's weird. Uh, We did watch a new movie, though. And Aiden is going to yep. tell us a little bit about it. Oh, fuck, I sure am, right? Uh, yep. <laughs> so ready. <laughs> Across the Spider-Verse is directed by Joaquim DeSantos, Kemp Powers, and Justin K. Thompson, who is written by Phil Lord, Chris Miller, and David Callahan. Stars Shamik Moore, Haley Steinfeld, uh, Brian Tyree Henry, Luna Lauren Velez, Jake Johnson, Jason Schwartzman, Issa Rae, Karan Sony, Daniel Kaluuya, Mahersha Ali, and Oscar Isaac. The runtime is about two hours and two oh. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I think that's budget one hundred million dollars. <laughs> I like how you just, right over and, and just couldn't even wager a guess as to what that might have been a typo for. The O and the zero, I would point out, are like directly next to each other. It's a lowercase. Oh my god. <laughs> No, I'm saying it's a typo. I'm not saying I did it on purpose. Anyways, oh did you God. see the behind or no? Did you see the um, uh, the PR kind of videos of Shamik Moore and Haley Steinfeld? And he's kind of like, I saw the commentary like, on that, but I did not actually see the video. Oh, it's Wait, what so did bad. Say? It's so bad. Like he's trying to flirt with Haley, and she's like shutting him down hard. There's <laughs> no way, bro. Well, like no, one one takeaway is like, um. Like, Miles is so slick in the movie, but, like, I just can't accept Shamik as, like, this, like, little bit in, in, uh, timid and also, like, introverted person, <laughs> judging from the interviews. I don't know. Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't know about that. I feel like I, it's just really shocking. I thought, like, they would line up more, because, like, the Miles energy from the movie is just, like, fun, quirky, but, uh, and you, know, you whatever. Yeah. And you think he's a Shamik boar? What, what's that? You th- you think he's a nice. Shamik Boar. Wait, is okay. his last name Boar? 
Jesus Christ. <laughs> Wait, I don't get it. I don't Martin Scorsese's Jesus Christ. Let's move on from this. We have a game called Metacritic where we look at the scores on Metacritic. Oh my God. Metacritic is a website on the internet where critics' scores of a movie are tabulated out of 100. They're averaged. If it gets 60 or above, it's green. If it's 80 or above, it's labeled a must-see. If it's around 60 to 45, it's yellow. And if it's 45 or below, it's red. We are going to guess where Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse lands in that metric, the Metacritic metric, that is. Uh, I have a wheel of names, and I'm going to spin it uh, to... No, fuck. I fucked up, guys. I fucked up so bad. I didn't add anybody's names, Dude. and it just had Aiden's from last week, and so the name Aiden just spun around for no reason. And I've just wasted all of our time. Aiden's going first, man. The yeah, wheel has decided. Aiden decided. Okay, I'm spinning again. Spinning Dude, again. it's gonna be Aiden, 100%. I believe in democracy. I'm gonna make this. No, it's actually Peter. Peter's destiny. gonna go first. What the? Okay. What? Um, I think, um, I think uh, this one should be easy. Uh, I'm gonna go with a 85. I forgot to spin again. 85. What? He's guessed what 85. The? Is that too high for you, Aiden? No, I don't know. I don't know anymore, man. I don't know. Okay, I'm going next. Yeah, I think so. I, I think that's a little higher. Okay. I'm going next. You said 85. That's a good point. Is it too high? Or is it too it's a little low? high. Dude, that is the question, eh? I don't think it's too low. I'll go with an I don't think it's super high. Fuck. Go with yeah, an Dude, that is so lame, man. Uh, I'm going to 83. You guys are Sandwiched. so lame. I'm safe. And in fact... It was not high enough. It has an 86. Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, Peter wins. Oh, my God. Suck it, losers. Dude, imagine doubting. Imagine doubting Lord and Miller, bro. Imagine what doubting them. What the heck? What the <laughs> heck? Oh, I, Honestly, God. 86 sounds about right. That I think that's a fair uh, score. But Peter, you guys took such you, an L. Holy shit. Calm down. I guessed one Dude, below you. it's so you. easy. You can go two directions. You can either go lower than me or higher than me. You go higher than me, you win. And you guys <laughs> pick lower. So you guys pick an L. Take that. You know? Oh, my Ends God. Ends actually okay, suffering sad boy hours right now. So, Peter, as the winner of the Metacritic game, of the Predacritic game, you get to give us your non-spoiler reaction. What did you think about this movie? Okay, so I was very excited about this movie. I was really upset when it got delayed. Um, and uh, it finally came out. And honestly, I got to say, when the first trailer came out, it didn't look that good. Like the, the first teaser, where it's just uh, Gwen uh, teleporting to Miles' dimension and like them jumping through a bunch of portals. I thought it was like, okay, this looks really strange. And like, I have no idea what they're trying to do. Uh, but then as the trailers came out, my confidence with the movie... Uh, grew and uh, eventually I saw the movie yesterday and my god I thought they can't top the first one like genuinely guys I think this is better than the OG Spider-Verse we'll get into it of course uh, I think both visually and in terms of sound it's if not like on the same level it's either an upgrade or on the same level it's definitely maintained that bar um, and also the plot is so interesting and it just kept grew. Uh, it, just, it just kept going. 
like the the tension kept rising and rising and in the end oh my god like guys the ending is terrible like like um what? i really hated the ending but in a good way like, oh oh okay <laughs> like like i was like yo like when i was in the theater i was like uh, around the two hour mark I was not checking my watch because I want to capture as much information yeah. on the screen as possible so my eyes glued to the screen but I was like like this movie's gonna end soon like how the fuck are they gonna wrap this up like I was genuinely scared the movie's gonna end and that emotion stuck with me for like 10 minutes straight I was like okay it's, it's still not ending they might actually wrap this up properly now and then the movie ended so <laughs> did, you not, did you not know it was a two parter they were very public I, I know it's a two-parter but I thought like this one uh, I thought this one would have like a um, I wasn't like I read one, uh, one of uh, the friends of the show named Ryan he left his review and uh, <laughs> I read his review and he described it like Doom Part 1 I was just like oh shit they're not gonna pull like that type of like I'm gonna cut the plot in half and I do first half in, exactly across and then second part in Beyond Spider-Verse I wasn't expecting them to do that but of course they did that. So, um, basically what happened. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but like, like still, I will like, say, I forgot it was a two-parter. I think I, I for, did know like, that at some I point, didn't but know. I was yeah. not aware of that watching it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, like that was probably like the only part that really like disappointed me. I was like, can I watch the second part like today, like tomorrow? <laughs> like, uh, like they left it off at a very interesting point though. Like definitely a great cliffhanger to prepare you for the second one. Um, and, uh, what else can I say about this movie? Oh, opening night, just, just gonna give a shout out to the kids in my theater, man. Like, they were so loud before the movie started. I was genuinely scared. I was like, yo, like, if you guys don't shut the fuck up during the movie. <laughs> uh, but, like, they were really quiet in the movie, and uh, it was a good viewing experience, even though there were a lot of kids. Uh, and also, shout out to them kids. Yeah, shout out to yep. the kids, man. Like, Good, good on you. Good, good manners. Uh, and also, um, the movie was extremely quiet in my theater. Uh, for the grand, uh, for there was like a monologue bit in the beginning. Uh, it was really quiet. Yeah. But then, like somehow, it got fixed over time. I was little scared at the beginning too. I was like, dude, if it's just this quiet throughout the movie, like I hope, like I, the volume isn't the one thing that ruins a good movie. But thankfully, it didn't. I also. So. I also found that, like, specifically Gwen's dialogue was consistently very quiet. Yeah. Like, just, like, as soon as Miles came in, I was like, oh, I can hear him, yeah. Mm. Uh, I I, think, like, Lord and Miller tweeted on Twitter saying, like, there was, like, a reference volume thing. Like, they need to ask the theater people to turn it to a 7.5 if you can't hear it at, like, the regular 7 level, but... I don't know. Uh, no, I, I th- I've heard that because of the Twitter thing as well, that this is a system-wide problem, that most theaters are not playing it loud enough. Um, I think it's a, like it's the worst in the beginning with the monologue, Gwen's monologue, but yeah. I do think that the movie It comes up again is, for me. I think it's quiet the whole time, and there's louder yeah. parts of it, and I think it's just an issue of like they have a threshold where they found the loudest part of the movie, and they said that needs to be below a certain decibel, but that means Mm -hmm. the quieter moments become so quiet that Mm -hmm. we're like, what what are you saying? So yeah, I I really need to rewatch this at home where I can control, I need full (laughs) control of the volume. I play my movies loud, so yeah, that was about it. Yeah, but I'm going to wrap this up uh, because we want to get to the juicy bits, the the spoiler bits. Uh, Five out of five, I think it's the best movie of the year I've seen for me. Um, 
it's probably the best Spider-Man film um, I've seen as well. And uh, yeah, it really excited for the third one. Cool. Uh, and I'm imagining you would recommend this to a friend. Oh yeah, absolutely. This is okay. a movie for everybody, not just kids. Um, I think yeah. and anybody at any age would get great enjoyment out of this. Cool. And I have to know, what were you laughing at so hysterically <laughs> during Peter's review? I just like... I just, like, started smiling, and then I noticed that you saw me smiling, and that's what was, that's what was funny to me. Dear listener, Aiden is not high right now. He's just very sleep-deprived. He's not on his peak performance. Anyways, uh, as second-closest guesser for the Predator Critic, Critic game, I will go next for my review. Um, I think this is a very good movie. I've, people were coming out of it saying it's a masterpiece, it's fantastic. And so I think that's a dangerous way to approach a movie, going under the, you know, the mentality this is a masterpiece, this is the best thing you'll ever see. I do think it gets very, very close to achieving those standards. Uh, I think the story is very strong. The animation is, the animation is probably like the most impressive animation I've ever seen um, in, in any animated movie way way head over uh above the the first film in that regard um but uh let's see yeah i i really like where they took it i just think there's there's after my first watch because i did in the past i don't know less than 24 hours i have seen this movie two times because i was not fully satisfied after my first watch i felt i needed to give it uh, another go around to kind of um get the full grasp so I, I gave it a second watch and I after both watches I felt something nagging at me that I, I feel like it's not perfect I can't call this a masterpiece uh, there's just something for me subjectively maybe that I, I had problems with um, I I think it works as a two-parter but I think there are both pros and cons to doing it like that uh, lots of space for kind of the character moments which is great um but it also kind of reveals like a weird <clears throat> pacing to it it definitely feels like we've stretched out half of a movie plot to fill two hours and 20 minutes so that's like a longer film too uh so that's just something i kind of uh didn't love but i mean the characters are great the story's great um i had a really great time both times uh this is a really beautiful movie uh, so I, I might, I think I'll give it a four and a half. I, I think it is my favorite movie of the year, nonetheless. Uh, I just, I, I am not going to say it's perfect. Uh, and I, I would absolutely recommend this. I think it's a great movie. Uh, Aiden, what did you think about, uh, Across the Spider-Verse? Yeah, I'm, um, I'll say, I feel like I, um, in some ways I feel like I watched a different movie than what most people, cause I've been seeing the same reaction and. I liked this movie, but this is, like, a firm three-and-a-half star for me. Like, I don't... Uh, like, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you, Alex, that character moments are great, but you can have character moments while doing things plot-wise. Like, that aren't... And, like, you, you can make a story, like, a little bit more dense than this and have a little bit more going on. Um, and like that, that's a lot of what my biggest problems is. I think there are a lot of scenes that feel very weird and it feels like, it feels like the writers didn't have a constraint. Like, you know, when you're writing a screenplay, like you, 
you don't want an individual scene to take up like 10 pages, like well, 10 pages is a lot, but you don't want an individual scene to take up like five pages necessarily because that's a lot of time. And it feels like they didn't have that constraint. They were just like, we can make scenes as long as we want. And I think they feel like they dangle as a result a lot of the time. Um, I yeah. have a few examples of that. Um, I think scenes generally run long in this movie. I think that's absolutely scene- true. Scenes run long. I think there's a general, like, it takes a while for, like, things to kind of get going. And I think that, um, I think there are just, like, weird moments where characters, either, like, there's a tone problem for me in some things, or characters don't act the way they're supposed to, in my opinion, in some moments. Um, that being said, I like the concepts a lot. I like the idea of story archetypes and narratives and how they seem to rule our lives and can you write your own story like that's a very interesting we'll get into that that's a very interesting theme and it's a very like natural theme given the concept of the movie of the spider-verse like that's a good idea considering what the movie is um it's not it doesn't feel like you're trying to impose something on it um animation's great uh i'm kind of torn between whether or not i think it's doing a little too much at certain points and i hate to say that because i don't want to be the guy that's like like it's it's super talented artists that are making something that's really creative and awesome so i i don't know how much i'll how much stock i put into this criticism but there were some moments where i was like okay if you just scale it back a little i think i actually might enjoy this a little bit more um and so i had that reaction where yeah, I like this movie a lot, but I, I I, just genuinely don't see the masterpiece. To me, it's, like, not close to that. And I don't... I, I, I have the feeling that I watched something else. So, yeah, this is three and a half stars for me. I would recommend it, though. I think people really like it, for the most part. Yeah, I, yeah I'm honestly not going to shame you for that, because I, I think, honestly, like, my review of the movie is so heavily tainted by people calling this a masterpiece that I'm kind of like, you know trying to be like yeah no it is really good but also like i i truly do not believe that that is the case i don't think it's as perfect as people might believe it is i think it's very very good so i i think a four and a half or you know i i think this is my favorite movie of the year maybe just above pipeline but anyways uh aiden we have a spoiler warning pew 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 and Aiden, we also have to. Oh synopsis. shit! I have to do this shit. Yeah, you uh, do. Yeah, okay. Very long movie. Okay. Um, are you ready? Uh, yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So what what's gonna happen here, dear listener, is Aiden is going to summarize the events of this movie as best he can in under two minutes. Uh, good luck, I say to you. Here we go. Yeah. You have three, two, one, go. Start off. Gwen's catching a bad guy, vulture from another dimension. Uh, basically, other spider people come in, namely future Spider-Man, Miguel O'Hara, and Spider-Woman. Uh, Gwen has to reveal to her dad, uh, that she is in fact Spider-Man, and it's like, what the hell? And then she goes to another dimension, begrudgingly recruited by future Spider-Man for something. We flash to Miles. Miles is Spider-Man, and he's struggling to balance work and, uh, like, Spider-Man life and normal life, as a Spider-Man does. He fights a guy named The Spot, who has spot and dimensional powers. Uh, and then, so after that, Gwen visits him at some point, uh, and we don't, we know there's somewhat nefarious reasons, perhaps she's watching spot that goes wrong though. She loses spot turns out, uh, and then miles follows her into the other dimension through a portal. turns out that, uh, Gwen was actually, 
um, just trying to like stop like anomalies and like the spot was like doing anomalous things within the multiverse. Um, but Miles isn't supposed to be there because as it gets revealed throughout the thing is that the Spider-Men are trying, led by Miguel O'Hara, are trying to make sure that canon events happen, and that's, like, specific things within the Spider-Man lore that have to take place. One of the most notable things is a police chief has to die saving a child, per, per chance in a red shirt, um, and Miles disrupts this by going to the pan-Indian Spider-Man universe, where he saves a police chief, and that's not supposed to happen. They get mad at him. They explain to Miles that his dad, who is also a police chief, has to die in order for this canon event to happen. Miles is like, fuck that, and gets away from them. He, like, winds up teleporting back to his own universe after talking to Peter B. Parker and Gwen and the game them kind of on the side. Turns out, though, he's not in his own universe. He's in the universe that the spider he bit that bit him is from. Turns out in this universe, he is the Prowler and his uncle is still alive, and we're left on a cliffhanger with the spot amassing power. Nice. That was good. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's it. I don't know that we have to say anything else. Uh, I guess. I guess the thing is, uh, it's pretty important that Oscar Isaac uh, Spider-Man twenty ninety nine reveals that um, the spider that bit Miles wasn't supposed to bite him. It was supposed to be mm. for the universe it was from. And so, yeah. right. by being Miles is an bit, anomaly himself. He, yeah, he that that happening is why his Peter has to die because there can't be two. There can only be one or, or whatever. Yeah. And uh, it fucks up the other universe uh, as well. Anything else, Peter, that we're missing? Uh, Did we talk about oh, how uh, like canon ending. events are important because if they don't happen, the universe gets fucked? That's true. That's a fact. Yeah, we don't have to true. say more than that, really. Yeah. Uh, Gwen's ending is important. She uh, tries to look oh, for right. Miles. Uh, oh, yeah. She, she makes also up realizes with her dad also. Yeah, she makes up with her dad because yeah. she uh, revealed her identity. I forget if he said that. Um, and she forms a team that is a combination of the team from the first film. So the all the awesome Spider people are back just at the end. And the, the newcomers from this movie who aren't aligned with 2099, which includes... Such as Spider-Punk, the pan-Indian Spider-Man... Uh, yeah, Spider Bite. I think it's Pavita. Spider, spider Bite. bite the, the VR the, Spider-Man. The VR Spider-Man, yeah. And, yeah. Good? Cool. Okay, so uh, with that out of the way, let's get into our spoiler discussion. So, first question I have for you guys. What was... This is for the fans. What was your favorite spider... Spider-Sona, your favorite spider-person mm. that you saw? Or, or cameo moment? That's obviously the most hype part of the movie, but do you have any favorites? Yeah. A little key jangly, perhaps. One might believe that. I'm. I'm waiting. I did for the spider... feel that way a little bit. I'm waiting for the spider keys. The next movie. That's a kind of joke that yeah. Lord and Miller would 100 percent do. I want to see spider keys. Maybe no, they're related to to Peter Parked Car, which is that's one that I I knew existed prior because I know yeah. a lot about the the stupid spider people. But I was like seeing Peter Parked Car. I was like, oh yeah, that's funny. Dude, you're so oh, deep in the lore, man. Holy shit. <laughs> I knew he was coming. No, I didn't. I didn't know he was coming, but I, I recognized him. P- Peter. Mine isn't anyone. a cameo, but I, I like Spider-Punk. I like to. I like Spider-Punk a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, Daniel Kaluuya is just great, man. Like, the fact that He's they good. let him use his accent, too. It's like, I don't know if Spider-Punk's supposed to be British, but 
Although, so, yeah, I will yeah, say, yeah, yeah. that was also a sound thing where I was like, I don't know what he's saying. Dude, sometimes, yeah. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> kind of yeah! Sometimes I think it's kind of the point. You're supposed to be like, like, whoa, what are you saying? Yeah. Um, in the same way that, like, like the Spanish dialogue isn't dubbed, and I think it's just like, right. if Which you I don't really pick up yeah. all of the words, that's okay. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely agree. Sp- Spider-Punk is one of my favorites. Peter, do you oh, the Ben Riley cameo is funny too. Yeah, yeah I didn't uh, know until like later. Show. It's Adam Sandberg uh, voicing the character, isn't it? Adam Sandberg. <laughs> Adam Sandberg. <laughs> Adam Sandberg wait, and wait, Andy no, no, Sandberg. no, Andy Sandberg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dude, I think about Adam so Sandler and then Andy Sandberg. I don't know what it was. Yeah, his so. voice is very distinctive, and I thought his his character was very fun. Um, yeah. My sad and tragic past. And, <laughs> um, I liked all the spider to, uh, the spider right, animal just, for just me go, the, okay for me the spider animal ones are always funny so spider cat uh, the t-rex t-rex the monkey great, yeah. the monkey is mostly in the, the sound like it's hard they don't really have mm-hmm. a, a, a visual gag for spider monkey which is like obviously that's who it is spider monkey yeah. uh, but like you can you just hear the, <laughs> like, the monkey noises <laughs> during the chase scene it adds so much um, yeah. and there's one more. Oh, the the web slinger and the spider horse. That's so funny. I like dude. That, that one Western was so cowboy. I, that. I like the one. Yeah. Peter, sorry, I cut you off. What were you gonna say earlier? Yeah. So my favorite is actually not a cameo. My favorite is just like one of the moments in the Sp- spider society. I guess that's how they're calling it. Um, mm-hmm. It's the gym, the spider gym. I think that's so funny. Like fucking. A guy doing fucking leg press with like a giant block of concrete, yeah. as a Spider-Man doing like the uh, iconic. That was hilarious. Thing. The, like, the I, like they made it the to Jesus an actual pose gym exercise. Like yeah. I think that's great. So yeah. creative and also so funny. I uh, I agree. I was that the was, only that one a... that laughed at that. When I saw what? this Jesus Spider-Man oh pose, God. no one else laughed. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, that was so funny. <laughs> I do, I won't call it a Jesus pose, but. <laughs> Even if That's, it's not that like is the, what it is. Even oh, really? if it's not, like, even if you don't pick up the Martin Scorsese's Jesus Christ reference, it's also still just like that's an iconic Spider-Man thing. Yeah, it's like, iconic stuff Spider-Man together. Yeah, and the yeah. fact that right, they're training like, that specific moment is very funny. Yeah. And then when when they all try to cross, like they, it works yeah. in so many levels. When they cr- try to cross, and the car is on there too. I don't know if you saw that. Peter <laughs> yeah. parked car yeah. drives onto it. It's too Wait. heavy. Actually, Alex, quick question for you. Is Peter Park mm-hmm. car supposed to be like a Spider-Man but got turned into a car or is it supposed to be like a Spider-Mobile type situation? It's this. It's the riff on... I think the idea was at one point in the canon, he had a spider buggy. And so when they were doing Spider-Verse many years later, like Spider-Verse is yeah. from the 2010s, I, I want to say. So when they okay. did Spider-Verse and they're coming up with all the variants, they're like, what if there is a universe where... Peter Parker didn't own a spider buggy if he was the spider buggy. So it's That's like, that was so the, funny. the idea. Oh, my um, God. But uh, I, I have well, one cameo I want to bring up. Yeah, the, I think um, I know which one it is. Uh, yeah, you think you know? It's Childish Gambino shows up as uh, yeah. the Prowler, the MCU's Prowler. Uh, that's one that, like, I don't know why, but I've been wanting to see him. I want the payoff for him buying yeah. the tech in Homecoming. 
I'm like, when are we gonna, when are we gonna see Childish Gambino back as there's, Prowler? There's so many things in Homecoming that it's like, man, that would have been cool if they did that. <laughs> well, yeah. I agree with you, but what specific? What are you thinking of? Uh, well, like that, and then like, <laughs> and then like any like with the Scorpion too. Yeah. Uh, oh yes, like, yes, yes. That yeah, stuff. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of stuff. I, it, it's almost as if like MCU franchises that are beholden to the greater franchise sometimes suffer from that. Yeah, yeah. I think. But no, anyways, I think this. Um, no, I want to talk to about it. that. I think okay, this. Okay. I think Peter. I think Aiden's absolutely right. Is the Spider-Man franchise peaked at Homecoming because every other time it has to react to something that happened in somebody else's movie. That is true, actually. That is true. That's crazy. And I, yeah, I feel... Also, people like generally <clears throat> don't like that Spider-Man is always learning to be Spider-Man in his movies and he can't just mm-hmm. be Spider-Man and do something new. So I do hope that they kind of clean slate for the next one, maybe start introducing Miles into the, the MCU universe and... Mafia oh, that was news too that. that we didn't talk about. Where that that was yeah. announced, right? Spider-Man Four yeah, was actually announced. Yeah. Those are two different things. You both mentioned two different things. Spider-Man Four is in the works, but paused because of writer strike. And Miles Morales is going to get a live action. I mean, they've been saying that for years, but I I think maybe they kind of believe it more now, or maybe it's closer mm-hmm. to fruition. I think yeah. that's something you want to do for sure before Secret Wars. If that ever happens, um, because the whole idea of Secret Wars is you're bringing alternate universes together, and if you don't yeah. have recognizable alternate universes to bring together, what's the point, right? Yeah. Like the whole reason that works is because people were familiar with the Ultimates universe and the Old Man Logan universe and the other ones that got combined in Battle World. This is the comics. I need to stop nerding out. Somebody, somebody, <laughs> stop me and move on any other spider-people don't let me talk about my kids (laughs) 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 what is happening with you today no no he's talking about the show we'll get to it later but don't let me talk about my kids did you have a cameo you keep we keep cutting you off yeah, uh, I just want to quickly comment on Childish Gambino showing up. Also, no one's okay. It's Childish Gambino. Um, I just thought like, <laughs> like, the nice I, deck. like, <laughs> it's like this coat cut my ass. I just don't Like, I didn't get spoiled at all. Like, I knew nothing about the plot going to the movie, and I was just mm-hmm. like, it's like one of these cameos that you never ask for. But then you show it, and, but then you see him, and it's like, oh, that's kind of neat type moment. It's like, it doesn't really elevate the movie in any regards. It doesn't, like, make it any better. But it's like, it's just, like, something that you see, and you, you, it brings you joy in the moment, you know, type of thing, for me. I, um, I will also, say, I don't like it. You don't like it? I don't, I don't think... I don't like it. Okay, okay, you don't I like don't it. Like it. I don't like it. I like the idea of the payoff of the Donald Glover Prowler thing. That's kind of fun. Yeah. However, I feel the same way about when they show the clip from Amazing Spider-Man, where oh, Andrew I Garfield laughed. is leaning with him. I laughed so hard it's, that first time. I don't like it. It's I don't like the live action in the animation. I think it looks weird. I, I thought it was like fine, it. though. I thought it's fine, though. Like... They didn't make it, like, they didn't make Cameo the movie, which is, like, you know, sort of, like, Spider-Man No Way Home. No Way Home? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Maybe. And also, and also, like, um, like, I thought, like, it's actually really cool. I was, uh, 
doing some research about Donald Glover and like a lot of people say that it's so significant that he showed up and I was wondering why and it's because like apparently him dressing up as there's Spider-Man, a campaign for him to play Spider-Man yeah and also yeah. apparently him dressing up as Spider-Man in a community episode is what sparked the writer of uh, Miles Morales to create the character so it's actually really, oh, really? Cool to see him uh, show up in that uh, sounds right movie yeah. That sounds I, right. I think I forgot. In my that. mind, the timeline of that is a little off, though. No, I, oh, I, I, did, I did my research. Fact check. I think that is the, oh, really? the case. I can look up oh. when he was introduced. Miles Morales. So I thought, I thought, Miles I thought Morales. Cool. Yeah. First appearance, 2011. Oh, that lines okay. up with possible. community. That is possible. Yeah, he's, he's not that old of a character. Um, yeah. But uh, it's kind of weird, then, that he didn't cameo as a Spider-Man variant, that he shows up as Prowler, but... Maybe that's neither here nor there. I do agree, though, Aiden, that the it was very jarring to see the the live action crossover. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that they're like, we have to do it for the fans, and I I get that. But when you see that, it's like, what three D? Yeah, because what are you especially doing here? when they're when they were talking about the thing about like, oh, police chiefs have to die. I was literally like, oh yeah, that's like Amazing Spider Man, and then I, and then they showed it. Like it was there was also a certain fact of like. Yeah, I know that that's I know that that's one of the things you're talking about. Like that's like, that's one of the clearest examples in live action movies. I know you're talking about that. I, don't know. I think that w- that moment was for me because I don't remember Amazing Spider-Man at all, and oh, so sure. the fact that that guy dies, I was like, oh sure, yeah, I guess that that might have happened. I don't remember that specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, we need to move on uh, to other favorite parts, just generally for the movie, and I think. I think we all probably have a few. Anyone want to go first? Yeah, I have one. And I know you guys are all very keen-eyed, so you guys might have caught it before me. But, um, uh, so there's this whole sequence when Miles is getting teleported using, like, the whole spider machine thing. Um, And Mm -hmm. apparently, right before that scene, you can clearly see on the console that he's going to Earth-42, not his Earth. But Earth Forty Two. Oh, yeah, okay, I didn't yeah. catch that. So uh, that's your favorite that... moment. No, 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 no. That is not my favorite <laughs> moment. Um, Tell me your favorite really... moment. That's what I asked. So, like them building up, like like um, the art style of this movie is obviously incredible, and uh, oftentimes the background and the uh, the lighting and the color changes based on the plot and the mood and the atmosphere. So I thought mm-hmm. it's one of the cases where it's like Spider Man is like you know, about to make a really big decision. Like, does he save his dad or does he save the, the world that he's in? So the, the sky's all green, you know, it's all moody, all very dark. So I thought that's why the, the color is different. And then we get to, you know, him talking to his mom and then finally re- taking up the courage to reveal his Spider-Man, intercutting with, uh, you know, Gwen and uh, the other Spider-People chasing after him. So, like, it really gives you a sense that, you know, he is in the right universe. And at that time, like... It, it never crossed my mind that he might be in a different universe. He ended up in the wrong universe. And then the the mom sort of acting surprised. Who's Spider-Man? What is going on? Like, sort of, you know, just, like, give you a sense, like, in the back of your head. It's like, maybe that is not right. And then when you finally see, like, fucking Uncle Aaron... Uh, uh, by the way, that reveal was so sick. Uncle Aaron just showed up. Um, uh, and then he's like... Then, like, that moment, it clicked for me. I was like... Oh, dude, the machine scanned the spider gene, not, like, who he is, but, like, who the Spider-Man, the spider who bit him. Like, it's that, it's that, it's that 
thing that helped the machine to take people to the correct universes. Um, and I think it's just really cool whenever movies give you opportunities to figure things out. And honestly, for me, like this movie is very tight when it comes to like like it just bombards you with information, new stuff, going to places. So like it's really nice that all of a sudden this movie slows down at this sort of third act moment and sort of gives you a t- some time to process the information and give you a chance to piece together that he might be in a different universe before they straight up tell you. So I thought that yeah. sequence masterfully done and uh, really enjoyed that. Yeah, I think it's a really good... I, I wouldn't describe it the same way you are. I'd, I'd call that a good pull the rug out from under you kind of um, twist reveal moment. And I think that was... I, I do agree it's really strong in how they intercut moments from what are universes apart but you're not supposed to know and you're just kind of fooled into believing that they are in the same universe yeah. despite there being quite obvious when you are when you know what to look for like I did mm-hmm. on the second time differences like the fact that Miles' room is completely different not, not even like there's a punching bag just out of frame like that I'm pretty sure he doesn't have in the original um, it's raining in one of the universes and not, <clears throat> and yeah, not yeah. in the other one which is like a really big signifier the curtains are not drawn the same way and lighting is like it's lit on the outside of the building and Gwen's and anyways but uh yeah it's a great moment where like lots of people were going oh shit in my ear the first time yeah I think I think it's a great moment too but I also it's another moment that I think and this is a general from the movie where there's like a weird thing that kind of undercuts it for me and maybe I'm just thinking about it wrong but it's like so if Gwen like all Gwen is doing is standing or stuck to the wall outside an empty room. So like, what's she doing? (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Like, like that was the only thing. And like, that was cause it's like, it's cut in such a way that you believe she's listening at first. Like that's, and then, but there's nothing for her to actually be listening to after the reveal. So it's just like, I guess it's her, his parents maybe. Cause they, they are talking. I think. Or, like, she, I think the idea is that, like, she's, like, trying to, like, psych herself up to go in there. It's, like, like this mm. is, like, hard for her. But I just think, like, yeah, I don't I don't know. But I like, I like oh, the whole yeah. one, too. I think it's great. Might be might be with the latter point. Because she, she and Miles yeah. had a bit of a falling out. So maybe that's yeah. Peter? Yeah, and also, like, um, speaking of, like, just, like, general logic and, like, uh, stuff like that. I find it really weird that Miguel O'Hara, who literally invented this technology, ended up on the wrong Earth, where the where Miles did not go. You know, like he went to yeah. the um, the Earth where Miles is from, not the Earth yeah. that the Miles is gonna go because he knows. Like he literally invented the machine. He knows how the machine works, and he ended yeah, up. Yeah, and it says earth. on the machine where he went. So how do they not know where he went? So, no, yeah. because that was kind of funny, but like you know, it's all right. No, I, I think it's great that. because it's it's yeah. an assumption that everybody made is that he he used the go home machine, so they're checking for him at his home, but they are forgetting that. Also, like like the fact that the the twist that they scanned the spider DNA is kind of like mm-hmm. it's not really intuitive. It's not an obvious answer. It's kind of like a, no, for sure. This for is sure. why that happened, and so if he were to go back to home base, check the computers, if he had that idea. But, like, obviously, first thing he's going to do is look where he thinks Miles went. No, that's home. true. Maybe. And yeah. the kid is invisible. So, like, he could search for quite a long time before thinking maybe he's not here. I think mm. I think it's a fair thing. 
Aiden, did you have a favorite part? Um, I do like the I like the twist a lot, despite just criticizing it a little bit there. I think my favorite part of the movie is like the general concept. I have a bit of a cop out answer in that, like I don't know, it's not a specific <laughs> moment. Um, it's just Whatever. like like the i the idea of and like I talked I talked about this in my non spoiler review, but the idea of like um, there are stories that are written for us and paths that we're supposed to follow and like archetypes that exist out there in the in the cultural zeitgeist that we are supposed to follow. And are are you able to renegotiate that and and decode and encode a new meaning to your life? Um, and I think like that like that's a really interesting idea. It's like a very it's it's uh, like it's a cool spin on like a hero as well. Um, and yeah, I think and it, like I was saying, I think it's a really like natural idea if you're taking in. The concept, like, it's it's like you're looking at what you have, which is a story about a bunch of different characters who have all been through very similar things and have repeated the same stories. And, and so it's looking at that and coming up with a very natural concept for it. Like, it's just embedded with it, and that's what I really like. Um, and I also just think it, it can also serve as just, like, an interesting conversation on, like, um, on how the stories that become popular and are immersed in popular culture um, wind up creating these sort of ingrained paths. I think that's interesting too. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting meta commentary, but also like it gets very like <clears throat> not not only is it kind of meta and asking questions about like a hero's journey like you said and um some people were making connections to the later Matrix movies which I will admit <clears throat> I have not seen yet. But what I like about it is how it's still centered on the like Miles personal journey and it's a continuation mm-hmm. of the first film where mm-hmm. he's struggling to be specifically spider-man and living up to those expectations and he's trying so desperately to fit in with this group of individuals which i think kind of like what you were saying is baked into this idea of like the spider-verse is here's the newcomer how do i fit into this greater web of uh, yeah of, hey of spider of spider people uh and what they're offering is that in this kind of darker tone of the sequel is well now that you're spider-man that comes with serious baggage and i one of my like like the one of the moments that i thought was so funny is the he's returned he's he's gone to earth 42 we think he's gone home and he's kind of like reliving flashbacks of like his saddest moments as he's running through the city very creative moment and we see on the windows, the people, the characters from the first movie, the other spider sonas, and one of them is John Mulaney's spider ham, and he goes, yeah, yeah. and he goes, Miles, yeah, sometimes, and he's like, sometimes you, you, you lose the people you love, and he's, and I'm, like the fact that that is, <laughs> in, like, like they use John Mulaney for that message is just so funny to me, um, but anyways, so it's continuing off of that idea, and um, yeah, like. The fact that he really has to contend with, you know, if he continues being Spider-Man, if he wants to be part of this club, certain events are going to have to happen because it's quote-unquote destiny. It's a really interesting idea for sure. Peter? Yeah. Well, I have more to say, but (laughs) I'm afraid to get into it because we have a point on that. No, that's... I'm getting into it right now. If we're here, we're we're getting into it? All right. So, 
I watch out. Loved We're it. getting into it. <laughs> watch out, loose. Watch out, guys. Let him loose. He's <laughs> going wild, um, everybody. Here, watch out. Sorry, go. I really loved the idea. Um, I just thought, like, you know, we we had so many... The Spider-Man as a character has been adapted into screenplay and uh, movies and cartoons so many times in the past. And it's, like, I think it's really cool to see, like, 10, 20 years into adapting this character into uh, something on the screen. We still get to see an original and uh, really unique take on the Spider-Man character. About not just, like, I think Homecoming got close to that, where you sort of sort of uh, manipulate the villain's relationship with the with the um with, with with spider-man but i think this one is truly unique in the sense that it's an examination of spider-man as a character and what it means to be spider-man on top of like everything that's happening in miles's life uh it's so cool to see that it's like do you need to experience the same experience like the spider-man before you to become a Spider-Man is that what it means to be a Spider-Man to go through these struggles and to live with these baggages or can you be define your own Spider-Man is this still possible and like um, I think that's like one of the reasons why this movie is so good to me where it's like it's beyond just a superhero story it's a story about like Aiden said like defining your own destiny in a way it's like can I defy fate can I be something more than my predecessors can i be something more than who the the group of people that i belong with and i think that is just super cool to see yeah it's I, also i i think i'd hand up first i'd hand up first you were gone also the, i didn't think i had to i was listening okay, i was listening okay, um, <laughs> it's also the idea of like like what is fate and is fate real like are these things that are actually inherent of the universe or whatever and they need to happen or is it just that this is the way that we frame things this is the this is the reality our stories present and therefore it is reality and like it you know it's it's an interesting idea of like is is fate like real or is it something we construct that's one thing that i'm gonna like I'm really curious to see how they handle in the next one. Is, yeah, same. Is is what uh, Spider Man twenty ninety nine is what he's saying real? Because at a certain point, like if Miles does start to mess with the canon, like does he get proven right? Like does Spider Man twenty nine get proven right? If not, like how is his experience different? And how is it okay now? I. I have some ideas for some loopholes, and I do want to. I want to discuss predictions much later at the end, but um, I will also add my own point. I think kind of this self-examination is also um, it fits into the kind of storytelling um, mode we're in right now. I recently did uh, went down the rabbit hole uh, learning about what metamodernism is as an art movement and in film specifically. It's it impacts all ways of life, but. Metamodernism is probably since Y2K uh, follows postmodernism and modernism, obviously. Um, And it is where postmodernism, which is what most people have grown up on, is kind of like looking back at older values and being very critical of them. Metamodernism goes back the way around to a kind of like sincerity plus criticism. So I think... I think Into the Spider-Verse and Across the Spider-Verse do this really well by being critical of what came before and, and really analyzing things. Um, 
and uh, while also being very sincere and creating their own stories that have a lot of heart. And there's certain like signs of metamodernism. I'm doing a really bad job explaining this, so go do your own research if you're listening. But um, one of the signs is like anthropomorphism, anthropomorphism, in that there's so much sincerity, it's like overflowing with the amount of um, like feeling we have to show. So we it flows into other things like animals, and so that's true of Spider Ham. And uh, I don't think there's any animals in this movie, but. Um, just a cool thing I've learned about. I also think Guardians of the Galaxy fits in with that, but that's a discussion for another day. I'll stop talking. Who would have hand up next? I think Peter, maybe? I, I have a hand. No. Peter had his hand up first. Oh, I just have a quick comment anyways. Uh, I just thought okay. like it's also really cool. I think that's really not cool. true. Uh, <laughs> I just thought it's really cool uh, that they tied all these ideas to the plot as, as well. Like, they have this whole... It's a canon event. If the canon event doesn't happen, like the whole universe gets destroyed, etc. Like it's just a really interesting way to link a thematically interesting concept into a uh, pretty interesting plot device as well. So, hmm. um, yeah, I was gonna first say, are you talking about like that one YouTube video that was like circulating on Twitter where it's like the yep. thumbnail is like, I've questioned. I haven't seen the video, but I question that argument a lot. I don't know if I believe in that. But That's anyway. What, like, um, but anyway, I, I was going to say, I going forward, I do think, like, to me it's pretty clear that it will happen so that Miles can defy Destiny. Like, I don't... I, I think that's going to that wind up... Yeah. Like, that's what's going to... I don't see how that doesn't happen. And I think, like, what's great about that is that it also harkens... To like the purest concept of of what the Spider-Man story is and what like the meaning is in it is and why it's so pervasive, and that's that like you can save everyone, like that like that's like the core concept is like that Spider-Man is someone who saves everyone and will sacrifice everything to save everyone, and so the mm-hmm. idea that like he will defy, like all of these Spider-Man have lost their way. And the idea that he will defy this narrative and in doing so actually consolidate the most important values of Spider-Man is kind of, that's that's fun, that's cool. I think that's what's going to happen anyway. I would say in addition to that, that he needs to save everyone, is that one of the core ideas about Spider-Man, going all the way back to um, his creation, is that he anyone can be Spider-Man. And I think that line that idea is going to be in the next movie because spider-man is by like the by his costuming design fully encased in material clothing you have no idea who he looks like and so there's this idea that's been played with from time to time is like anybody could be under the mask a lot of people gravitate toward spider-man as a hero even if they themselves are not caucasian or you know fit the other characteristics of peter parker because Unless you, you know, see Peter Parker in his regular clothing. You don't know. It could be anyone, right? And that's where, like, like when, when doing the whole, like, Miles, the idea of creating a character like Miles is anyone can be Spider-Man. It doesn't have to be someone who looks like Peter Parker. And I think the Spider-Verse is, again, furthering this idea anyone can be Spider-Man. And so I think challenging the idea of what it means to be Spider-Man, so they're suggesting 
Spider-Man has to be someone who suffers these great losses. And I think Miles is going to offer a counter-argument that, no, that's not necessarily true. You can still yeah. be Spider-Man without having to do X, Y, and Z. Like, you know, it's not so restrictive, you know? Um, yeah. That's my... Yeah, it's like it's like and broadly like defining heroism not by suffering but by helping. Actual heroism. Yeah. 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 Miles is always about breaking expectations and so I like that like there's that moment in this movie where he's like, "Nah, I'm going to do my own thing." Great moment. Yeah. Super sick. Um anyways, I think that's enough about that. Why don't we talk about my favorite moment? I have two that we could talk about. Go for it. Um they're pretty small, I'd say. So the smaller one is by Peter. It's, oh, it's just to turn on the light. And he's back. Okay. Um, he's one back. of my favorite moments is the fight with the spot. Just like great Spider-Man antics. And I mean specifically the one in the first act, Miles versus the spot in the convenience store and how it escalates from there. Just like... Like, Spider-Man not being super great at this and also encountering, like, the weirdest guy you've ever met. met. Villain of the week is what they call him, and I love that term. Just, like, one of the goofiest D-list Spider-Man heroes or villains, and they make a really cool fight scene out of it, falling through the spots, and, like, he'll kick a dot, and it'll kick him in the face, and then he's, like, he has to learn how to counter that specific skill or uh, power set. Really loved it. I thought it was really funny, too. Yeah, I agree. That that moment's great. And I will say just Naughty. while we're still <laughs> on okay. while we're while we're just still in the realm of the Destiny thing, this is the last thing I'll say about it, I promise. <laughs> the thing I like, back. Okay. The, <laughs> just cuz like the last thing no, the last cuz what I like about the spot, the thing that I particularly like about the spot okay, sure, is that okay. like it's also this idea of he's he is meant to fit the archetype of villain of the week that's that's an ingrained archetype but because of the events and the anomalies that occur in the movie he is something that like winds up fitting a different one which is that like the origin story that's connected to um to miles like he's he is spinning a sort of fate narrative that miles doesn't buy into like they're fated to be nemeses um, and then because of the way the movie unfolds, like that winds up being somewhat true, but it's, it that, that's another wrinkle into the idea. Like that doesn't necessarily have to be true. And it's interesting. Yeah. I think what's great about the spot as a villain and why I think he's a better villain than Kingpin was in the first is that his story, he is, he is miles parallel. He is the anti miles in that, um, he he just wants to be taken seriously, which is something that Miles is continually struggling with. No one t- treats him seriously as Spider-Man. His parents don't see him as an adult. He's always asking people to stop calling him kid. I think Spider-Man 2099 calls him kid. I think Peter B. Parker calls him kid. He wants to be seen as, a, as an adult. And that's kind of like the relatable, um, like just being be, growing up kind of uh, story that this is hearkening to. But back to the spot... He's also just trying to be taken seriously. Um, and I think also what you're suggesting in is that both Miles and The Spot are both trying to find their way to spin their own destinies. So Miles is saying, I want to be Spider-Man even if I wasn't supposed to, uh, and I don't have to follow the rules of the Spider-Man. And Spot is defying his destiny as villain of the week, forgettable no, right. idiot. Yeah. And is saying no. I'm gonna manifest. I'm gonna manifest destiny, and yeah. um, you know, become 
I know, I know. He yeah. wants to manifest his destiny. No correlation yeah. to the terrible. Nope. <laughs> He's not gonna pull a manifest destiny. Yeah. He's gonna. Let's just say. Let's shorten it. He's just gonna manifest. Yeah. What yeah. he wants. Yeah. He's just gonna manifest. Um, I'll stop on that. Peter, do you have any comments? Yeah, and I thought it's just really cool. Like, um, by the way, I really thought like Spot is like a throwaway villain. Uh, I thought like he's gonna be Miles's ticket into the Spider Society. Uh, like he's no, gonna defeat Spot well in some written. interesting way, and then get into. And I really I love the way they handled his character and like how he had his own mini arc during the movie as well. Even though this movie is already so densely packed, uh, like about him. Um, at first, like, you know, using his powerful bad because he's forced to because he literally can't get a job and then eventually embracing his power to a degree. Like, especially the scene right after, like, he th- sort of, like, sucked himself into a hole in his own... <laughs> Dude, like, it's really it hard to get around the, <laughs> the hose references because his whole power is about hose. Um, and then, like, sort of, like, like I thought he's going to be done. It's just going to be, like, funny, ha, 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 he's trapped inside himself. But, like, he actually had, like, an interesting retrospective moment of discovering uh, his powers and uh, how he's going to continue afterwards. Uh, I just thought that was super cool. And uh, he's badass now, so you got to take him seriously. He's scary. When they changed yeah, his design to, like, the scribbly thing, I was like, oh, no, that's, that's, yeah, that's spooky. Cool. Um, but I will say that... I- you yeah, kind you of go. you Sorry. you kind of uh, said that like something you said the word densely packed and I think that's a a good uh, estimation of like what is maybe an issue with this movie. There's all like a lot of stuff starts going on and specifically referring to the spot, he just kind of gets lost in the mix. Yeah, uh, I agree. In the second I half, I thought that's fine, but um, I'm okay. It's uh, it's not something I noticed. Or like particularly cared about if this is well I'll save it for later but it's kind of the issue mm-hmm. with stretching us a, a story into two parts is that maybe there's not quite enough story for the spot mm-hmm. in all of that and so they kind of just have to stop doing it for a bit and then resume at the end which looking back on it is quite awkward in terms of his own story if you look at it from the spots perspective the question is what is he doing that whole time and i know like i think it helps for clarity for following miles story that we don't cut away but i think even even one cut away to what spot is doing in the meantime would help immensely because it's just like where do you go why is he not doing whatever because as far as we know the parallel universe is run at the same time they haven't really talked about time manipulation it seems that they are sharing a temporal linear like time stream god that's scientific for this anyways (laughs) yeah i'm like i and i kind of agree with that i think he feels like very secondary in this movie and i think that there's a little bit of awkwardness in that like he exists as like he exists as a thing that is a threat to Miles's dad. Like that's like that's part of the core of it. Where it's like, there has to be a tangible. So okay, I'll actually get into one of my problems with this movie. Where is that like, so what the problem that is set up is that like Miles's dad has to die, right? Like that like that's and Miles doesn't want that to happen. Obviously, 
But, like, there's no reason why he would die immediately. And so it's like, Miles is, like, scrambling to get back, unless I miss something. Miles is, like, scrambling to get back to his Earth to, like, save his dad from what? And I think that that's what, like, the spot is supposed to be. But it's like, we don't know, it's a canon event, but we don't know when it's supposed to happen. And Again, unless I miss that. What? It happens in two days. Yeah, I think you missed oh, that. Oh, okay. Because it's basically... Okay, I missed it. Okay. The whole concept is a captain that's close to Spider-Man has to die, and he becomes the captain in two days. Oh, yeah. and it has to be on the captain thing? Yeah, because the, yeah. you know, Captain Stacy, captain. Uh, captain Sin... For but it has to be idea. when he becomes captain? Like, he can't be uh, not well, captain. Well, basically, it's, it's like... They basically confirmed it, like Miguel O'Hara, like uh, when when like he was like, oh, so like Spot is gonna, cause like Spot said like I'm gonna destroy like y- you, destroy your family or something like that, and like, and you know that's when uh, Spot is going back, I guess. I, they didn't explicitly say, uh, they didn't explicitly yeah. say it, but like I felt like it's sort of implicit to the audience that you know that is sort of the thread that like. Oh yeah, they literally said it in the movie that Spot is gonna kill because like Miles see a vision uh, when he's yeah. traveling through the Spot verse that uh, Spot kills his parent, uh, kill his dad. Oh what the he's, hell? Yeah, yeah, okay, I don't yeah, remember that. He's, but okay, okay he's my just, my thing. I, okay, I think my <laughs> my thing is like a clock thing though. Like, there's yeah. no reason why it actually it isn't like an immediate threat, right? Like, because sure he's becoming no. captain in two days, but he could die as captain at any time. So it's and I feel like that's what Spot is supposed to be, but I don't think it comes together well enough such that Miles needs to be back there now because his dad is in like really imminent danger. I don't like I think that's what needs to happen and I think it's a result of they're trying to not ramp up too hard before the second movie. And like yeah. I and I but I think they need to for this movie to fully work. I think the dad needs to be like literally walking to his death. Like that needs to be something that is like, ju- like happening. Yeah, I see your issue. I think the issue is exactly what you said in that the sequel has to take place over a certain amount of time. He's stuck in the wrong universe. That's not going to take five seconds to fix. They need that two-day window for him to have enough time to escape, get back to his Earth, and then deal with it. Um, So I understand the lack of ticking clocks, but um, I I think it works in the moment because Miles is going to be imprisoned and he is for a moment, they're going to try and keep him there. And so he has, until until they, like, he just has to stop that from happening. It's an immediate, like, I need to get to safety kind of thing because they're going to trap me and hold me until my dad dies. Yeah, but that's he could, what, he could escape any time in the next two days. And that's what, like, right, and it doesn't matter story-wise. These, well, no, but, like, if you look at it from Miles' perspective, perspective he's learned his dad is going to die and these people are going to are trying to stop him from saving his dad he doesn't need to be there to save his dad he needs to get away from this room because these people are going to imprison me and the longer they have the better they will imprison me because it seems like a very temporary thing to trap him in the red thing and he's they don't really know the full extent of his powers that allow him to escape that He's just trying to yeah, escape we, these people. 
I don't think yeah, it's that deep. No, I no, we don't yeah, but we don't we don't know that the imprisoning that needs to be set up better if that's the reason. If the reason is that the prison will get stronger if he doesn't get out now, then there's something there. But like I get what you're saying. I understand why the character would want to get out really hard. I I understand that. I'm saying it literally like you could make the movie if you wanted to make this movie half an hour longer and have him struggle for like like a day to try to get out literally doesn't change anything like that that doesn't that fundamentally doesn't change what's happening and like that's a problem that needs to be more urgent he needs to be he needs to have to get out now not just because like not just because he thinks that there like will be a threat soon there has to literally be a threat and he has to get out now to stop it oscar oscar isaac says that it's going to happen in two days not that his but it's not now. After. He doesn't need to get out now. That's a big problem. Like, Wait, and well, I it, don't understand it why that's an issue for you, bro. <laughs> yeah, it's a because it's not urgent. It's it's literally it is not urgent well, that he escapes I, I, at that I moment. See it, he I could see escape. It two, I see it in two layers, right? Like one layer is as Alex said, you know, like someone he's close to, and honestly, I think the audience really likes uh, Miles's dad's character as well, Jefferson Morales, I think. Um, like, he's just a very charming, charis- charismatic character that we don't want to see die. And uh, second reason is probably because um, there are, like, a bunch of clues they uh, interweave into the movie talking about how trapping Miles has always been part of the plan because he is a mistake. Like, his existence breaks the canon. So, like, it might not be, like, a short-term imprisonment, like uh, what, we, what we thought. It might be a long-term thing because, you know his existence endangers the uh, multiverse or some shit. Yeah, nothing you guys are saying is refuting what I'm saying. I no, like. I, I understand I, what I, you're saying, and I'm saying the ticking clock thing, I don't think it matters. I think two days... Yeah, I don't, I think, think, it, I don't no, think... No, I think, think it matters a lot. No, like, you like, have a second part, like, what are you going to do? You, you no. can absolutely... Writers are not that bound that they can't come up with some reason that that miles's dad is in imminent danger Dude, if your dad is gonna no die, let me finish let me won. no let me finish let me finish let me finish okay <laughs> if you writers can come up with a reason that the dad is in imminent danger and he narrowly avoids it this time but we find a way to escalate it in the second one that's like that's a very possible thing so like i like no it's it's weird it's like it's it winds up being like a i think like a a stakeless third act because it like nothing is happening immediately Literally, like, the problem cannot happen. The death, if it's in two days, right, then the death cannot happen. The thing that we're afraid of cannot happen in the span of the movie. So what are we afraid of? What are the stakes of the last act of the movie if the, the, the consequences literally cannot happen within them? I think it's because we're, we have different ideas of what the stakes are. I think the stakes... In a long, like there are long term and short term stakes. So what are supposed to propel the third act are the short short term stakes of being imprisoned, and I think that's supposed to be enough. It works for me. If it doesn't work for you, that's fine. Yeah. But I'm not gonna talk about this any longer. I think we need to move on. No, okay. One, I have one more thing. One more thing, which is (laughs) like, like, no, like the but the thing of imprisonment, like, the only reason you, like, imprison a character is like that's just an obstacle right and so like it's like that's not that's not a stake like that's not a stake of in the story it's not like because we don't know say he doesn't escape in that moment 
then he's just in the prison and he has to find another way to escape. That's not like, you know what I mean? It's not, it, it's not a, it's not a, like a stake raising moment. It's just an obstacle. Right. It's a different thing. Like, and that's like, and so like the, and again, it's another thing that I think undercuts the ending of this movie where it's like, this is great, but the dad isn't in danger. So what, like he's not, the dad is not in danger right now and he needs to be. It's very, I, it's, yeah. Dude, I think that's I the think, little cap because like you literally see Spot manifest and like you see this encroaching it's not against That's the dad, about. but we don't know that it the is dad, against the dad. <laughs> no, but the spot spot is not literally going after the dad at yes! the moment. That's what he. No, I he needs he to is. be like. You think he is? No, he's just like manifesting energy. He, he needs to be going know, after yeah. the dad. He doesn't know his identity, Peter. So he's not specifically going after his dad. That's he's just true. going That's to his no threat. We don't. We we have to know how more or less how the dad is going to die. In, or yeah well, in some way like th- that. that has to happen <laughs> no but we have to know like like we have to know we have to understand the mechanism through which that can happen because there's no th- there's no threat if like well, yeah, we know whatever. how it happens it's the building crushes him we've seen it in the no but the like but board. we don't like okay but there's no he's not by a building to be crushed yeah yeah, yeah like yeah. there's I, I he's, get it, Aiden. the I get dad it. is not in a situation in which a building would crush him so why would we think that that's going to happen immediately? But if he, it be- say for say kid say for example like whatever he was in like his captain's swearing in ceremony or whatever mm-hmm. and he and the spot uh, manifests himself there and we see that this calamity is happening and we see like structural damage happening to buildings. Okay, yeah. then we know oh this might happen now. But it's just it's just like a like it's nothing. It's just it's just whatever. It just like it's it's I, not specific enough, and it's not getting at it enough. No, I understand I your complaint, but I feel like if you actually do these things, then you're really just hyping up a third act that's never gonna get like a proper climax that the audience is looking for because what? the climax will happen in the next movie. Like, how are you gonna meaningfully resolve that if we actually set it up? Sure, but and my thing is that if even if you're making a two part movie, your first movie should have a climax that results. I think we something. did though. I think we did not as satisfying as I, as it would like, but I think we did get a proper climax. I don't think we did, and I, and that's I, one of my problems with this movie. Moving on, I, I yeah, let's move sort on. of agree with, but whatever. Um, another part that I really like is when Gwen and Dad, when yes, Gwen and her dad had scenes. Those are I sorry, think Alex, some of the. Sorry, yeah. I think those are some of the best scenes of the movie, and maybe that's where some of the emotional, um, what's the word? Not climax, but like, like the like the feeling of like conclusion for what is ultimately a cliffhanger ending. You kind of get through vicariously through Spider Gwen in that because she frames the story, which I think was a really interesting choice. She has a full arc in this movie that is like done by the end and i think that works super well so that's true um, she gets her band yeah yeah exactly and yeah, i think I'll, I'll specifically talk about the moments that i like and we can expand this to talking about gwen who I, I love as a character but um the moments with her dad i think are really powerful just how they use animation and i'm sure this is in what you're talking about how it's maybe a little too flashy and i can see that but there was there was at least two parts that worked really well for me in I like I like that like where it stops being reality they kind of become in this their own world where mm. it's very surreal and expressionist 
more about like the feeling of it than their actual surroundings, which don't really matter anyways. Uh, and I like that the painting, what, what I'm calling painting is behind, um, behind Captain Stacy when she first reveals is like a lot of white and some black. And I feel like it's like his black and white morality of like good and bad. And I, and it was like, and I felt like that really sp spoke to the moment and what was going on. And then later when she comes back at the very end and it's all watercolors and it's like dripping down. And I was like, like, it's like crying. It's like, it's like the world is, is yeah. reflecting the, the inner states of the characters. And when, when he has that moment of like, like love, like I think he says, like I quit or something. I think it's that moment where the background suddenly changes and it's white and these shapes are moving out from behind his head. I was like, oh, this is, this is perfect. I really love that moment. Those two moments, I guess. But yeah, like I think the visual in this movie is just so strong. Um, like with Gwen specifically, I don't know if you guys noticed. I didn't notice this until uh, uh, I saw like a comparison of uh, a breakdown of the, some of the visual elements. But it's really cool how different Spider-Man's worlds, uh, they have like a unique visual style attached to it. And the theme for Gwen's world is sort of this watercolored painting-ish thing going on. And um, one thing that's really cool during that uh, on top of like the so many visual details you already described is when eventually Gwen and his dad uh, reconcile their differences there was sort of an explosion of warm color behind Gwen's dad and also just like across the frame and it's just like using color and the visual style in such a unique way to convey the character's feelings and um, you know it's just super cool because like at the beginning of the movie the style is very much like a cold, dark, blue, greenish color. And then at the end, it's yellow, red, really warm and uh, uh, I guess comforting colors compared to the ones uh, from the beginning of the movie. Really cool scene. Yeah, I would say I, you were right, Alex, that this is kind of what I was talking about. And that could have just been my sleep deprivation thing where <laughs> it's just like I'm sitting there just like, uh, like, like images are just kind of washing over me at a certain point, And it's like, I, at some points in the movie did feel so overloaded that I didn't feel anything like, and, and the images are just kind of going past me instead of going into me, if that makes sense. Um, and I, and, but I also, like I said, I don't know if I think this is a fair criticism because I think like, for one, I think a lot of people didn't have that experience. And so it's like a very subjective thing. And also, like, I, I'm very wary of criticizing artists for being very expressive. Like, I, I, like I, that's just not something I, I'm necessarily interested in criticizing too much. What I will say about the Gwen Dad story thing really quick that I do have a legitimate criticism of is that I think the attempt to frame the story by Gwen is clever, but ultimately doesn't work for me because it's clearly not her story. Like, the, the movie is Miles' story. And it, like, it... Once we're into the Miles thing, it's clear that that's what it is. So it's like, it's bookending it with Gwen, but I don't think it, it doesn't work enough for a satisfying conclusion, even though it is a fully realized arc that I appreciate. I, it, it just doesn't completely work for me there. As a conclusion for the whole movie. Fair enough. I, I found it very satisfying that she was like, I found a team. I think that moment really worked for me personally. But um, what I will say is that the feeling... I can, it, it doesn't have to do with the animation, but the feeling of 
just like the movie washing over you and getting lost. Actually, I, was say, I just said lost in the sauce, but like getting the lost in the, in the sauce of this movie, I felt that both mm-hmm. times, not yeah. sleep deprived. So I, I think it's just this movie is overwhelming with the amount of think- stuff they're throwing at you, plot-wise, exposition-wise, character-wise. There's just like constant stuff happening yeah. that I found myself like literally like tuning out at times and then being like, wait a minute, I'm not paying attention to what's going on. And I think that's a, it's a problem of just like, like there's, it's overstuffed perhaps of like, there's just a lot going on in this movie. And I think also the editing choices, I think the pacing. Yes, I agree. I was going to say editing. Encouraging, encourages zoning out just because it's, it maybe lapses into slow moments that over. And then goes like, ah, (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, ah, do, 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 Spider-Man's yeah. falling and, you know, like all this sort of stuff, so. Yeah. Yeah, I actually didn't have a problem with that, but I would comment on the uh, the overstuffing and, like, the the uh, the overloading of information, etc. Like, I don't know, I don't know why, but I had the sensation. Like, I, I knew before going to the movie that the movie is two hours and a bit long. But, like, when I was in the theater, it felt significantly longer than two hours. I think it's oh, really? probably related to, you know, the amount of information they're presenting you. I was watching back some clips. And I was like, oh, my God, that's at almost at the end of the movie. That Like, at that moment, like, I thought in the theater, we still have, like, 30 minutes left. That's, like, how much 10 minutes in the movie felt to me. It felt like 30 minutes. Yeah. But, um, yeah. like, personally, I that actually it- didn't. Like I don't see that as a problem per se, but like, sure. um, like uh, I still enjoyed it, and I think like, um, you know, like even though there's a lot of information that they put on you there, like the payoffs are worth it in my opinion. Like, um, I didn't have a problem I, with it. I think that's a side effect of the fact that this is a two-parter movie. So yeah. this feels, in a lot of ways, like the first half of a movie stretched into forever. And so your usual kind of like guiding marks that are <clears throat> maybe not something you're picking up consciously, but mm-hmm. subconsciously, most people when they watch movies are recognizing certain staples. It's like the canon events in the Spider-Man movies. There's certain things yeah. that are ubiquitous across um, mainstream movies. There's like, you just like moments that you instinctually recognize and feel right. Yeah. And so like, you're looking for those moments. Where's the dark knife of the soul to quote the save the cat book. Where's like the intro to act two. Where's the climax. That's a really like famous one that maybe people don't always recognize exactly. But you're looking for these moments that don't quite look the same because you're not going to get a regular third act. It's one that ends with a cliffhanger. We have to set up the next movie. And so I feel like I found myself in the third act being like, Oh, it ends here. And then it goes on for 30 minutes longer because it's like they, they I felt like there were a few kind of false endings. Not as there was there's some movie that had a lot that was way worse that we saw in recent memory, but there was at least one false memory where they were cutting pretty quickly and it was like, oh, it's ending here. And then it lasted for another yeah. 20 minutes. Um, yeah. I, no, I felt so relatable. Yeah, that's so relatable. Um, and one thing I would say though, like, um, it's it's honestly i think exactly what you talked about it's like uh when you're watching a regular feature movie you are sort of like you can pick up these marks and you get a sense of where in a movie you're at and that sort of helps contextualize 
you know, it's like, oh, we're two hours into the movie, the movie's about to end, or like, oh, we're only an hour in, we still have another half to go. But I want to defend the ending of the movie a little bit. I don't think it's a good ending at all. Um, but I think like <laughs> I want to defend the movie <laughs> ending. But, yeah, I want to defend it a little bit. I don't think it's that bad. I don't think it's that bad. So Gwen got her lovely conclusion. I think Miles, um, even though like the from like a whole whole movie context perspective, he didn't get like a proper ending. But I think like his ability to eventually um, confront a figure who he thought is his mom and be able to convey that I am Spider-Man. I've, I've gone through some shit. I want to talk about it and really open up, open himself up to a parent figure who he is scared that by revering these things, not going to love him anymore. I think that is a huge character growth moment. And I think that by itself is a, you know, is, is a nice wrap up of, at least the across the Spider Verse version of Miles' story, and also we all, we of course got like a twenty minute tease about like Prowler and Uncle Aaron, but you know I think like at least emotionally, what uh, as uh, from an emotional perspective, Miles has grown as a character. So that works. Yeah, the, yeah, I I agree that that like that's supposed to be the moment, and of course it rings hollow because it's not his real mom, so it it doesn't have the full yeah. catharsis, but. I do think that the Prowler stuff at the end like goes on way too long. It's yeah, like, I agree. <laughs> like, like almost immediately, almost immediately when you see the guy, and then you just kind of go like, "Oh, Miles is Prowler, right?" Because there's yeah. another Miles. Like, if you you figure it out. Yeah, really you quickly. didn't need the reveal. Yeah, like, take you don't three need to minutes draw to it out. Especially like, us. and even even if you didn't figure it out immediately, you, the moment you see another guy who isn't Aaron Davis. Being the proud, like, it's like okay, it's Miles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. the same build. Like this is an alternate yeah. universe, but they look really similar. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's that goes on for way too long. You didn't know, need to go to a second location and all that sort of stuff. But I wanted to give an example of how this is like the pacing of this film is weird. The moment where they go to in in um, was it Moon Moon Batten? It's a combination Moon of Batten. Mumbai yeah, yeah. And, and Manhattan. Batten. So. Yeah. I think it's Mumbatton, and the moment they go there, in a regular movie, that would be around, I would guess, the 25-minute mark. That's your intro to Act 2, which is usually positioned with going into a new location, starting the adventure, leaving home, Sure. right? Yeah. That's your intro to Act 2, that's 25 minutes in. That doesn't happen for an hour. We leave for Mumbatton an hour after the movie has started. Yeah. So that's why, like, the first act feels so long is because the first act and then some is all in Brooklyn. We don't leave Brooklyn until the midpoint of the movie, more or less. Yeah. I agree that it's weird it's weird that the midpoint is going there. That definitely feels like something that should happen earlier. And I, I think it is the the two part movie thing where you're trying to space that out more. I think if if this movie is a one part movie, as most movies are um then yeah i agree that i agree with you i think that 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 is act 2a instead of 2b um yeah i i like i don't even hate the idea of making it two-parted but why did it have to be so fucking long like if you're if it's a two-part movie just make two shorter movies you know yeah and i don't i don't feel the need for these space fillers you know they're nice scenes yeah and they should it should feel like a complete movie by itself to an (coughs) extent To an extent, um, and I think like, I think this movie doesn't quite feel complete enough for me. And I'm trying to con- contrast it to a two-part movie I really did like, 
which was Dune, that is similar in that, like, I don't know if Dune really, like... We haven't seen Dune 2, but... Exactly, I haven't seen, seen, seen Dune <laughs> No, but, and, and so my thing is, like, I don't know, thinking about the first Dune movie, I don't think, that probably, that movie probably doesn't stand, what are you guys laughing at? I'm not we haven't seen Dune 2, bro. <laughs> I, I know. This, I guess we're comparing what? we're comparing two first part movies. Oh, where we yeah. haven't yes. seen the second okay, part okay, either. Okay. So yeah, and my point compared. is that like, I think the first Dune doesn't probably doesn't feel like a complete movie, and the only reason I don't feel that way is because I read the book. But maybe maybe there's something that like isn't. Okay. Well, maybe that maybe dummy, there's something else there. The dummy who hasn't I, read the book says it felt like a real movie. I didn't. Dune doesn't if, have that. Problem it felt complete to you. Yeah, it felt complete. Uh, I'm just, the ending yeah. feels okay. weird. The ending feels weird in both I, cases. Yeah, because and that's you have me. To I'm just trying to think about story. Right. It ends I'm just a trying really to think about like spot. if, the, but if Dune feels more complete to you, why does it feel more complete to you? I'm trying to think of what the thing is. Well, like, what's the uh, reason? Two to words me, for it's you: like, Denis Villeneuve. Enough said. <laughs> well, I, I actually have a real reason because I think it's a really, really nice way to wrap up Paul's sort of like Atreides arc, and now it's his. Um, Fuck, I forgot. What, what are the <laughs> sand <laughs> people? What are the sand people? Freeman? The Freeman? Yeah, the, the Freeman art. The it's like, yeah. the, like his, his duel with Jameis is like the the end of his Atreides arc and his beginning of the uh, Fremen arc. And sure. we see the worms in the desert, etc. Like, uh, like, I thought it was fine. Like, I know, like, for a lot of people, it wasn't, like, satisfying, big battle scene, shit like that. <sighs> but, like, you know, to me, like, it was a uh, really yeah. nice to his uh, royal family arc to, into the desert people arc. I also, I yeah, I think the flow of that story also just, it it feels like, oh, there's so much more to come. Exactly. Like, yeah. and while also feeling like this was just chapter one, whereas this actually just feels like half a movie, like Spider-Verse in some ways, and it, yeah. Dune, Dune feels like, it does feel like a conclusion. Like, I... I I, I stand by the feeling that the ending is weird for Dune, but mm. like Peter said, it is like, like that moment that it does be like he's been accepted, like that it is a bookmarking right. moment, and the feeling of like them walking across the desert, that's an end of a movie, and this feels right. like you've, instead of being open to the possibilities, we've trapped the character, and it feels like there yeah. isn't an ending there it's like no something is going to happen like tune in next week kind of thing we have to solve this right. very immediate problem um which i think maybe just like yeah trapping miles like like that is kind of a weird spot to end on and i don't like that they show how he's gonna escape and that the answer yeah, is the thing the he's been using the whole movie <laughs> you know like yeah. the, the, the sparkly fingers for oh, okay he's still doing that okay got it um, yeah when that was weird too because i was like is he going to escape now like is this like, are we going to uh, see how, a fight when is this at the end ending? Of the movie? It's, yeah, it's, it's another it thing. Like, when is this ending? Yeah. Just give me part two already, man. This, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, surprise after the post credits. This part two. But uh, yeah. it's actually funny. The post credits scene is the rest of the movie. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> because actually, this is kind of funny because in the first movie, uh, at the very end of the movie, we actually see a part of part two, uh, a part of uh, Across the Spider Verse. Like, it's him lying on his bed. And then there's like weird things floating around him, and it's Gwen saying, Miles, Miles. 
so and they awkwardly yeah. weave it into the new story that they've come up with after creating the post credit scene. Do you see yeah. how they have to like like recreate the context? They're like, oh, he's really mad in the scene, but he was smiling in the post credit scene. Yes. So oh yeah, he yeah, puts yeah. On his headphones true. And facts, he's like facts, chilling yeah. out. So that I, mean, is I didn't one have of, a problem with uh, it. Like, that is a, one. That is that's one of my weird scenes where uh, where characters that's a specific don't specific reason act. though. Yeah. No, but char- like even beyond that, like the way that Gwen and Miles act to being reunited, considering how much it's established that like these characters like care about each other, is so bizarre. Like I I understand. Don't get me I wrong. See I don't ex- I don't expect them to be like, oh my god, it's so obvious. <laughs> I don't expect them to like tearfully hug. Or, I don't expect it to be like a super elevated reaction. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, I don't yeah. think that's good. But yeah. it's really weird that like, it, Miles it is kind of instead subdued. it, yeah, instead of it feeling like it's a big deal and they're trying to make it seem like it's not a big deal because they don't mm-hmm. want to reveal their hand, it yeah. just feels like it's not a big deal. Like yeah. instead, whereas I think it has to feel like the first one. And that's an example of a scene where it's like, this is bizarre. And it, I think it, it also comes from just the scene tightness thing we were talking about, where, like, scenes don't have, like, scenes don't have to be tightly, tightly wound in this movie because of how it's spread out. And I think if that were the case, then there would be less examples of this in the movie. Well, I actually thought it was fine, given the context, because, like, Miles is going through something himself, you know, like having trouble balancing spider-man and uh, his personal life and gwen is also going through something herself and ha- the same the fact that she has to hide the fact that hey like you know there's like i really like this person but i know like what is in store what is in store for them in the future because of you know the canon events because of him he himself not being canon and shit like that but you does know, that I- feel does that feel present in that scene? That doesn't feel present to me. Well, I, I think mean, it makes sense. Th- it makes sense for Gwen to be subdued because she has a different. Re- she's not there for Miles, and right. she knows shit about him that is really fucked up. Yeah, so she and, like, can we have really a, a see kind of. That. Mm-hmm. I and I think also that like, I think it's just weird that Miles isn't doesn't show that much excitement to seeing her. Despite, and I mean, both yeah. of them have this where in their kind of like intro monologues, they're obsessed with the other person. Like she's seeing yeah. him in reflections, like subway reflections, and he's drawing her obsessively. So he's just kind of like, yeah. oh, Gwen, you're here. Like that. Yeah. And no, I, I feel think, like he's I think just she shock, makes man. it. Her energy makes it. I think you know, do shock, you know, bro. no, but it doesn't, it feels like he just doesn't, you know what it reminded me of? The scene in Dungeons and Dragons when Chris Pine sees his daughter again. <laughs> Bro, I was like, shouldn't you guys yeah. care more about <laughs> what's happening here? Like, yeah. yeah. That was weird. Um, well, I'm going to get the um, show in the just road. Just quickly. Okay. Just very quickly. Quick, quickly, it better sets, be. Yeah, yeah, I think that sets up, like, a really lovely scene of them hanging upside down. And, like, the whole, uh, like, it. a lot of moments in this movie, like, being upside down, giving the audience a unique perspective, so cool. But, like, that moment where it's, like, in every other, uh, Gwen says, in every other universe, Gwen falls for Spider-Man. And then we see, like, Miles scooching closer. And then she said, and it doesn't end well. And then Miles pulls his hand back. Like, oh my god. That scene was so beautiful. And then Miles said, uh, well, it's the first time for everything. And then Gwen leaves on Spider-Man. Oh, man. And ties into the theme. I love that. 
Her, yeah. She had a poor choice of words, though, that she falls for Spider-Man. Oh, <laughs> I was. I also thought that, like, with the whole canon... That's so funny. With the whole yeah. canon thing, like, I was weird... I thought that there was also going to be a bit about, like, how a Gwen always has to die. I think they're, mm. they're being flexible with the names. Like, it doesn't have to be Gwen Stacy has to die, because then you encounter problems like Spider-Gwen, how is she fitting into canon... So, anyways, but I thought I thought that was gonna be that was gonna come up maybe that like mm. your first love interest has to die and so maybe that's kind of like another added layer for why there's kind of like that self preservation of not you know pursuing that romantically. Anyways, yeah. um, I want to talk about these side characters. I like that the two new ones are so great. I think these two are better than the side characters. Like head and shoulders above uh, from the first movie, Pivitar and Hobby Brown. Uh, Pivitar, I like that he's like the perfect Spider-Man and he's just living his best life, and everything is going so well for compared to Miles, who is like yeah. down in the dumps. And yeah. the moment where they've successfully, you know, saved people from the falling Alchemex building, which. Gen- like genuinely like I was I was like oh shit that seems really difficult and like a really scary thing to deal with this like massive building falling I was like people are gonna fucking die so I was surprised they saved everyone yeah. but when everyone cheers and Miles is like oh this is what being a hero feels like people cheering for you whereas most of the time people hate Spider-Man it's actually really weird that everyone loves Pavita because yeah a lot of the time, Peter Parker, too, feels just all the hate coming at him. So I thought that was really cool. I'll pause here before I move on to the other guy. Yeah, I, I love him. Like, his intro, like, you know how, like, every Spider-Man has, a, like, an intro yeah. monologue? It's like, I am the Spider-Man. I'm going to do this one last time. Yeah, I'm going to do this only Spider-Man for six months. And his monologue is just so relatable. I don't work out because I'm naturally buff. And it's like, uh, and it's like uh, I don't. I, I try a little <laughs> bit in school. I get good grades. I shit like that. It's just so funny. And I found out today that he's actually played by the taxi driver from Deadpool. That That's true. amazing. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. Yeah. Peter, are you secretly Peter Parker living his best life? Because you just said that yeah. it's so relatable to be the perfect guy. No, like I just thought, like you said, it's, it's relatable. It's like, relatable in a funny way, man. It's like. You, you're buff already, so you don't work out. You're like, dude, shit like you that. You say that? Okay, whatever. I wish, I wish, man. I wish, I wish. The other character they introduce is Hobby Brown, a.k.a. Spider-Punk. Maybe one of my favorite new, like, original... Not original characters. One of my favorite new characters I've seen in a long time. Just this guy who doesn't give a fuck and is like, anarchy in every way possible. He's like tearing shit off the walls, being like, that's what they want you to think. Just, yeah. like, his chaotic energy. Yeah. And the fact that, like, he, f- like, completely works for Miles' story. He's feeding into, like, what could, are not, I I would call him, like, the devil on Miles' shoulder that is, like, feeding the worst parts of him. But it's, the words worst, I think, are are not accurate. It's more the most, the more chaotic side of Miles yeah. that says, fuck expectations. It's not the worst side of him. It might even be his better self his more unique self is that that's what he's feeding into and i just found that so fascinating like the stuff where he's like 
like like and Miles was initially jealous of him, and then he, like he's like telling him how to do the spider powers better. He's like, use your palms, buddy. And then like the yeah. fuck you, I quit moment. Man, I just love this guy. I love him so much. Yeah, and yeah, I, I, was, I, yeah like I agree. He was great. They uh, he's really great foil to to Miles because like he is sort of helping Miles to unleash himself in a sense. I feel like. Yeah. Um, and also, he's a really cool guy, man. Like, uh, like he, uh, some of the funniest moments in the, in the movie where it's like just like uh, Oscar Isaac, Miguel O'Hara says something really serious, and then a random ass character, sometimes Kobe, says something really funny. <laughs> it's like, Did you just him? completely kills the tone of uh, the serious atmosphere Question. that Miguel Question. O'Hara is trying to create. What did you, you call, call him? Kobe? What did you call You called him Kobe. <laughs> Is, is that not his name? No, it's Hope. Is it Hobie or Hobby? Oh I shit! Know. I thought it, it starts with a K. It's with an H. My bad. My bad. Nope. My bad. They spell it out at one point in the movie with the writing, but you might have missed okay. it. Okay. I yeah. I I think it's interesting that like all of these different influences and they mean different things for for Miles. That's great. Mm. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Miguel. Uh, I like that he's kind of. A, a bit of a combination of like the worst of Peter B. Parker as like he's like the bad mentor who lost stuff, um, mm-hmm. and also like he shares some stuff with Miles as well. So there's kind of like the superficial things like they both speak Spanish. Um, they're both uh, Spider-Man who are not Peter Parker, who seems to be like the more common. Uh, yeah person who is spider-man like like maybe 50 percent or more um but uh also like the fact that he tried to change the canon and he seems to be like a harder version of miles like a potential future a darker future where you know if miles goes down this path of changing canon this is what could happen and so i think as a villain like he works he works pretty well and it's almost like thanos like in his convictions to stick to order as yeah. opposed to chaos yeah no i agree i i don't have i don't have too much to say to him other, other than i i agree with you there yeah. and also oh my god oscar isaac i love this man like he did a great i, I thought he, he did a great job I, I really, oh my good. god man like all his dialogues is just such a treat to uh <laughs> to uh hear him talk on screen it's it's yeah. amazing I was confused about the vampire thing. They say he's a vampire. Yeah. I don't know if that means literally vampire. Because he does... There's two scenes that... Suggest yeah, he something. His teeth, right? right. Yeah. yeah, he shows and his, then he shows the his other fangs. one is like him injecting something yeah. to his body. So there's, there's something there. But they just kind oh, of drop a, it after a while. There was a funny, yes. subtle dig at Morbius that I thought was funny. <laughs> really? There's, yeah, there's something, I forgot what the line is exactly, but it's when they're talking about that and they say something about, like, yeah, like, who would go pay to see a movie about, like, a good vampire or whatever? Really? It's, it's something like that. It's, like, oh, it's set up in such a way that I was, like, I was, like, this is, I was, like, I'm pretty sure they're talking about Morbius, which That's is funny. Okay, I, know, I, didn't, I didn't put two and two together. I know there's an obvious dig at uh, No Way Home. It's, like, and don't get me started on Doctor Strange and the stupid nerd on, uh, that's not a dig of the movie. That's a dumb reference. That's that's a throwaway. Being like, we have to, yeah. we want to connect Dude, to all the, the universes. Oscar there. delivered that line. Holy shit, my man! That was so good. 
Sure. Okay. Did not resonate with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> not, even, not even a little bit. No, dude. I um, was <laughs> but like, I I really thought the first time that uh, Oscar's character was gonna be like dealing with some kind of like like the vampire addiction kind of like classic thing. Like he has that mm-hmm. hunger within him, and he has to like sustain himself with like maybe the injections. Who knows? Maybe. That could be yeah. brought up in the next movie, but we would Dude, know. you're the comic guy. You tell me. What is I this? did look it up. I had to remind myself, but he's not a vampire. I didn't think he was. He's not a vampire. The okay. person who's a vampire that you wouldn't think is a vampire is Falcon's Falcon. Like, you know Falcon, no Captain way. America's sidekick? He has a real bird in the comics named Redwing. And oh, really? The bird is a vampire. That's, <laughs> That's so weird funny. shit that I know. Anyways, yeah. Miguel O'Hara is not a radioactive spider person. He is a GMO. He's been spliced. His DNA has been spliced right. with the spider. So By alchemists, right? Yeah, so that's why he has talons instead of... Right. I didn't remember this. I had to look this up. But that's why he has talons. That's why he has fangs. Um, but yeah, it's, it's weird that they kind of like tease it as a thing and then don't do anything with it and don't even set it up. Like, like if I would understand if you were subtle at the beginning and then... We're like, but wait, in the next movie, he might go crazy. You know, like... I don't think they're setting up him as a... It might might be nothing. I feel like he's just, like, set up as an anti-hero type shit. Yeah, like, when I I say... I use use villain interchangeably with antagonist. Like, that's that's kind of what I mean, is that he is opposing the protagonist. He is... You could say that he's a hero, but... There's a lot of like very villainy stuff he's doing, so even that I'm like I don't yeah. know antihero. Um, what else can we talk about? Uh, we kind of talked about animation enough. Oh, I like that it's like this is a really comic booky movie. Like they split it up into panels, and they do that in the first movie, but I yeah, think they fun. take that to new extremes here, and like just finding really inventive ways to play with the format, and like I like when like like the same action is in both panels, but at different focal lengths or yeah maybe it's this like yeah yeah it's the same action in the same different focal length like that sort of stuff is really cool to me um how did you guys think this movie compares to the first one better or worse worse i think it's better to be honest i, I think to me the first one's I'll hear your... in my opinion the first one is clearly better i think it's a more tightly wound story i think it's better written um it's simpler I, yeah i just i just which which is it really helps i think i it's concise yeah i i think that this movie is also like yeah i i think that it's dense in some ways and that a lot of stuff is literally happening but in terms of like actual material i don't think it is very dense whereas i actually think there's a lot you can be pulling from each thing in the first one i also think like the whole leap of faith stuff and the moment where um where peter b miles or fuck where Peter B. Parker is like about to fall into the collider at the end of the first movie, and Miles catches him, and he's like, "But wait, like I, I was gonna sacrifice myself," and he's like, uh, "I think Peter B. says, uh, how do I know if I can do it?'" And he's like, "He's like, oh, right, it's like I taught you, it's a leap of faith," and they kind of smile at each other, and then he drops him into the collider. Yeah. Like that's that's a perfect moment that like brought tears to my eyes when I rewatched it. I, I, this movie doesn't have that that kind of like really yeah. sweet moment and it's I don't think it was built to have that but it's a it's a fair point 
Uh, Peter, I'll hear your arguments. Why is this movie better? I just really like the way the, this movie does not let go of the tension. Like, the plot, like, I kept thinking, like, surely this is it. Like, they're not going to add more into this. But, like, they just, the, the tension in the plot just keeps rising throughout the film. And it's a really unique feeling where, like, you're, the movie gives you no break and you like it. Um, and, like, I think emotionally, like, Gwen's story is significantly stronger than the first one. I mean, for good yeah. reasons. She's more screen time. Uh, I guess, like, the, the story between Miles and his dad is slightly weaker because, like, the first one, there's a pretty touching monologue of uh, his dad at his dorm room uh, just sort of talking to him and while he's tied to the chair. Uh, and we didn't really have, like, a what's up danger moment where he, like, the... the, the, the reverse shot of him like leaping down like that moment was sick that moment did not get surpassed in this movie but like i think like in general like the the overall cast is significantly stronger compared to the first one and um there are just a lot of like i think like in the first movie they were sort of holding back in a lot of visual and uh like sound stuff i think is on par but like visual stuff i think this one did a much better job compared to the first one uh, like they almost got liberated they, like they got to do whatever the fuck they want and uh, like the water coloring stuff we mentioned in Gwen's world uh, the different comic panels and shit like that I, I think like to be honest like viewing experience wise I enjoyed this one more than the first uh, fair interesting yeah I think I think um, I think this one makes some improvements in some cases like I think like I said the side characters have more depth to them and more meaning yeah. than just like what are the three most random characters we can think of? <laughs> like, like specifically referring to uh, Noir, Spiderham, and Penny Parker. Like, I think. Well, those Noir ones are is like a natural like... one. Like, that's Noir. If you think of like alternate Spider-Mans that people might know, Noir is one of the first ones. Oh no, for know. sure. Like, like that's true. Like yeah. the Spider-Man Noir is a pretty like, dare I say, famous one of the alternate versions. Yeah. I just mean like, thematically. Like, there's nothing that oh, sure. Spider-Man right. Noir has to teach Miles by nature of, like, who he is. And same with the other two. Right. Whereas the side characters in this one are very thoughtfully picked out. Um, and, yeah, I, I do agree that the visuals, I think, they get to... They play it around with it more. And I think that's honestly just, like, one-upping themselves, you know? Like, mm-hmm. they set a standard yeah. and they're going to blow it away with the second one. I think that's kind of... I don't know if they had more room to play. I think... I actively pursued innovation, you know? I actually... I I almost might prefer a lot of the stuff they did in the first one visually. Like, I know I know they're doing more here, and that it's a little bit more... But I even think, like, the stuff in the forest in the first one, and, like, little things oh, about... Oh, it's gorgeous. And I'm sure there are details like this, too. But it's, like, in little things like how Miles is actually, like, swinging at a different frame rate than Peter is... Um, like, mm. I, I remember reading that, like, Miles, like, because he isn't used to being Spider-Man, he's actually, like, swinging at a lower frame rate, like, at a choppier frame rate, whereas Peter looks more, like, smooth than he's going. And, like, like to me, like, it's, like, there's a maybe a little bit more subtlety, like, like, subtle touches in the first one. I don't know if that's completely a fair thing to say. I don't know. I'd probably have to watch both movies again to even really yeah. say that, but, like... I, I do really like the visuals of the first one, even though they're a little bit less in your face. Yeah. Um, I have a new question. Where do you think this movie is going? That doesn't make sense. What do you think the next one, 
what do you what do you expect? What are some what are some things that you think are are gonna happen? I have some, but I'd uh, like to hear from you. Guys. Well, I talked about the thing. I I think yeah, I think ultimately Peter Miles is gonna be able to write his own destiny in some ways while not controlling other aspects. Like I think that's the that's the idea. I do think that there's going to have to be like they're gonna have Someone to contend with the idea. Yeah, Maybe. and I think they're gonna have to con they're gonna have to contend with the idea that like all of these Spider-Mans kind of lost their way and forgot the core element of, like, what being Spider-Man is. So that, that's something that has to be dealt with, I think. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't really... I don't know. What do you think? Uh, Peter, do you have any before I jump in? Uh, I think Jessica Drew is going to join Gwen's little team based on her facial expression mm. at the end. Uh, I'm very interested... Uh, to see how the two miles storyline play out because like the obvious answer is like you convert the evil miles to join you on your mission but it's like i almost don't want to see that play out because that's just too easy i actually want to see them have like a real conflict going on um and i i don't think that dad's gonna die i think like they just they spend too much effort on like saying that oh uh he like like Ada said, like he's supposed to write his own destiny, and like the fact that a spider from the wrong universe bit him is already sort of creating an anomaly, and nothing happened to his universe. So like he has the capacity to change uh, who Spider Man is, and able to do things that other Spider Man can't. Um, I think I don't think the dad's gonna die, and uh, I think probably the final showdown is gonna be a bunch of Spider People against Spawn, probably. Okay, I have some I have some theories for you boys. Yeah. So I, I agree that I don't think the dad is gonna die. So then it begs the question: If he's not gonna die, who is gonna die? Dude, don't kill don't kill the new dad though. Don't kill Peter. B. No, no, Parker, no. Man. Here's my guess: No, because you can't kill him because he's a new dad. Spider Man twenty ninety nine. Oh, lost that's his a good way. one. That's How does he come one. back to the light by sa saving the person he said had to die? I think he becomes converted. And saves and turns around. That's that's Dude, one. Ten out of ten. Yeah. I, I support that. Sure. Because yeah. if you think of the other cast, like there's no one who can die based on like like just emotional attachment. Like you can't kill your your super close darlings. But um, I think on Earth forty two, I think Miles is gonna look for a Peter Parker, the one who probably should have been bit there, and there's gonna be this thing of like it was supposed to be you and maybe he tries to get him involved in some capacity um i think yeah like i i think the idea like like it was supposed to be you and then just learning that no you weren't a mistake like you were the right choice is something he's gonna learn yeah. from peter parker of earth 42 who is probably just a normie um, and I think seeing that kind of like, like a regular Peter Parker would be a really interesting thing for the Spider-Verse idea. Um, Peter, what are you going to say? Okay. I think that's a really neat idea and I fully support that, but I'm sorry. I have to break it to you. There's a scene in this movie. Uh, I think it's like in the spot verse or some shit where like, there's like a little bit of passing over present and, uh, there's a scene of a guy with braids and a spider approaching him and then the spider has a number 42 on it and then eventually the spider bit miles i think 
they were trying to set up that the 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 other universe is Miles Morales wasn't supposed to be Prowler. He was supposed to be Spider Man. But okay, that could maybe. totally be changed. I really like your idea though. Like I think that's I still really think cool. I still think that the idea that Peter Parker is quote unquote always Spider Man is something they can challenge, and I think it would be mm. interesting to challenge. So. Yeah, the ed- it would actually be interesting if the regular Peter Parker there was still like a hero in his in his own right, like without being yes. Spider Man. That might be an interesting idea. Hmm. I was thinking that they That'd could cool. take yeah. the fir- the thing further and be like anyone can be Spider Man, and then being like yeah. even this loser Peter Parker can be Spider Man, even if he doesn't have the powers. They yeah, could and stray away too really... far from Miles, so it might be better to center it center it on bad miles on on prowler miles and make him the new spider-man but we'll see i think um i think like like the first movie set it up actually like uh like if you listen to the final monologue by miles at the end of the first movie it's like anywhere can wear the mask you can wear the mask you know it's like this really like spider-man is not really about the powers it's about like who you are as a person it's what do you think they do a I have an idea. Do you think they do a um, a swap, like a, a parent trap, where they no switch places? Okay, no. Yeah. I'm thinking. I'm I'm pretty sure ninety percent of these are getting in the movie. They do a parent trap. Anyone can wear the mask. Just switch them out. Switch out the Mileses. Because one remember one has powers, one doesn't. So that's that's right. the the thing. Um, I think one question I have is did. The, the implication of um, Captain Stacy quitting is that canon he's can safe. be broken and that he's safe. I, yeah. I question that. Maybe it's fine. Maybe it's fine. I, I think he's safe, um, though. I, I have two other ones. I wonder if we're going to see Madam Webb, who is the person who, mm. is, who does the, the kind of canon web thing, but in a more organic way, and is kind of like the, yeah. the oracle and she's like the protector yeah. of the actual Spider-Verse. I feel like we're going to see her as an escalation of like going deeper and deeper where we go beyond the Spider-Verse. Well, what's beyond? The plane above, I think, and seeing Madam Web who controls all things. And I think that he's going to like make a bargain or like argue with her that kind of allows this kind of non-canon thing or maybe she is like, "No, it's okay. It's a it's all cool, buddy." Like it doesn't I don't know what this guy's talking about. I feel like he has to go around somehow and deal with her. Um, there's one other thing I don't remember, though. Something about Madam Web. I know that they're going to... Aren't they making a Madam Web movie or something? Yes, they are. With uh, Sydney Sweeney. And, uh, <laughs> That'll be complicated. Dakota you, Johnson. Dakota Johnson, right? Dakota Johnson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Just, is that how we soft launch Dakota Johnson Spider-Woman? Is have her in this? God, I need that. Wait, I thought um, she was Madam Web. She oh. is Madam Web. Yeah. She is Dakota yeah. Johnson is yeah. Madam Web. Yeah. The thing is, yeah, Madam Web is different. Pe- like it's a title, so it was originally like an old right. blind woman, and so whoever you just said, Dakota Johnson is the second one or something. So, okay. and it's it's kind of a variation on the Spider Woman title, but okay. um, yeah. I had something else about the thing about him making a bargain, but honestly, she might just be like, yeah, just saying like. It's fine. Anyways, last thing, Miles is gonna give a killer speech to the spot, and it's gonna rock. That's my last prediction. He's gonna speech sure. the fuck out of Spot, and that's how he defeats him. I don't Dude, know what the speech is, spot. but it'll be great. 
And also, can yeah. I just say they really did a great job casting. Like Jason Schwartzman is like exactly the type of person you want to play Spot. He's good. I don't. I don't have that strong feelings about it. But yeah, I think he's solid. Uh, do we have any other final thoughts about the movie? Yes, no, I want to talk about music real quick. Okay, go uh, quick. Oh yeah. First of all, really killer album. I think uh, Metro Boomin producing is uh, sick, amazing album. And second, I just want to say they did such a like they actually pay so much attention to the detail, which I think is why these movies are so cool. Um, each Spider-Man, at least like the major ones, have their own theme, and um, basically when you look at the Vulture fight, because the Vulture is from like an ancient Renaissance era, when like the fight is going on, you can hear opera music going off in the background. Yes, I heard uh, that this when time. It's, uh, really cool. When it's Gwen, it's a lot more rock and roll because she's in a band. And then when it's Miguel O'Hara, you hear this sort of futuristic distorted sounds when he's coming out. And then Miles is through this like hip hoppy uh, mix with uh, his own theme. So I think that's just really cool, the amount of detail they put into the music. And uh, they're able to mix all these sounds together and uh, make the soundtrack work. I thought it was really cool. Yeah, I didn't pick up on it as much as when they were trying to push Sunflower really hard in the first one, but um, (laughs) I'm I'm glad that it was definitely more subtle in this one. Uh, I think that means uh, we have a segment Oh, we sure do. So if you're not aware, the podcast is called Predator vs. Movies, and we've done the movie part, so now it's time to get into the Predator. Um, And so this is where we ask the question, would the Predator from the movie Predator make this movie better were he in it? No. Three, two, okay, yeah, no. Imagine society and someone wearing a Predator costume. Oh, there's an alternate universe where Predator is Spider-Man. Easy, easy fix. Okay, next... Peter, what's our next segment? That was great. Oh, it's uh, it's called Predator's Picks. What did you guys watch this past week? I personally didn't watch anything. I, I watched one away. thing. I watched one thing. Most of it today, actually. Just how much did you get through? Uh, my son was. I I've seen the whole thing now because it's actually really? not that much. Wait, is this still the wire? No, it's not. No, Are no, I haven't the seen wire? the wire in a while. No, I'm it's... still on season. I'm on season. Tell three. him what it. Tell him what it is. Tell him. Uh, it's I Think You Should Leave, the new season yeah. of I Think You Should Leave, Tim Robinson's comedy oh. sketch show. Um, no. Very funny. Very, very funny. There is Dude, some, like... I don't know why, when you said that, like, somehow I was thinking decision to leave. I was like, since when they were making oh. a TV show? Uh, I, always get it, I always get it mixed up with Sorry to Bother You, the movie. Oh, really? with, what? Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I don't know really why. Yeah. Anyways. No, but yeah, it's super it. funny. There's particularly one sketch that I won't spoil, but it's about like uh there's one the one with Jason Schwartzman is super funny. That would that's that really good. fucking hilarious. And and how and like also, sad it gets too. Yeah, or and like, like, like real twist on it's it. good. Yeah, it's funny yeah. too. And then um also the uh, I think it might be in the same episode, but the one where it's a dad at his daughter's wedding. Like, like that, that, that one's funny as fuck. <laughs> I don't know if I've seen that one. What he, oh, no. What he takes... I, I don't want to spoil it. Okay, super, don't spoil it in case I haven't seen it. Yeah. It's a really... It's a just goofy, funny show. Um, very, very funny. Yeah. I don't have there's, much to say about it than that. Yeah. There's... I think one of my favorites so far was the, the one in the drive-thru. 55 taters, 55... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> what do you like immediately? <laughs> I'm not describing it. Oh, watch, and, but I the woman backs up and does the same thing. Yes. <laughs> 55 taters, 55 inches, doing the same thing. 55 is also just a perfect yeah. number. I don't know yeah. how they came up with that. It's it's so good. Oh, when yeah. the one where they're they're counting and and he's seeing things, he's like, oh, I thought there was a volcano. But it's the moment where she sees his world yeah. and there's a little pimp on the table. <laughs> that was great. That was great payoff. Yeah. I don't know if you picked up on this. I thought the sketches this season kind of get crazier. Like I feel like they yeah. they always introduce a new third thing at the end as kind of yeah. like a as a weird final twist before concluding. I don't know if they used to do that. Is that is that just my it, it's like, memory? It's generally been the case that like the sketches tend to spiral and just into something else, and it's like the thing okay. you think it's about the beginning, it suddenly isn't. Um, but I did feel that even more so this season. Yeah, it it definitely like there's always a third thing, and I'm like like it, 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 it's a they introduce the third thing and then it ends so quickly. But I don't know. I I still really love it. The driving crooner. <laughs> did you did you see the one have you seen the one where um it's the woman who has the cardboard cutout of her boss i forget the yes. actor's name with patty patty like, harrison yeah yeah, she, yeah she's and super she's funny like, <laughs> and then it becomes about rats like that's what i mean it's like yeah. they don't they don't yeah. stick with the initial premise anymore they add a new weird thing it's fun yeah. it's just different yeah. get, to get used to um yeah. i i haven't finished it yet but i i love it so much um, I've seen some other stuff, uh, to finish up my Predator's picks, because you're done. Yeah. Right. Uh, Succession and Barry both ended. Succession will go down in history as one of the best TV series of all time, maybe top ten. Um, great finale, I think. Uh, great final season. Some people said it was rushed, but I honestly think that what they managed to get through was good, and I liked the pace of it. And I wouldn't. I don't think I'd change anything. I think that the ending is is the ending is unsatisfying in a way that is more compelling than if anyone's goal had happened. And also, mm. like, still very funny. There's some very funny stuff in the final uh, season or final episode. It's a great show. Barry, I've kind of turned around on. I've seen some negative takes on Twitter and I've, it's kind of, I feel like I, I've always been like, Barry's great, Barry's great, Barry's great. And seeing people kind of like criticize how the final season went, I've been like, maybe they're right. And like kind of opened up that mm. as a possibility. And I do find that the final season was not as satisfying as say season three, which I think may have been the peak of the show it doesn't seem to be quite as strongly written. And so I, I, I didn't love where Barry ended off quite as much as Succession, but oh well. Great, great first three seasons for sure. Uh, and I think, I mean, it's, it's like a satisfying end nonetheless, and I think there's, there's good stuff for sure in the final season of Barry. But uh, yeah. in terms of movies, I've seen two movies. I watched The Doom Generation. It was the trash cult film pick for our local Cinematheque. Uh, weird movie. Um... Sometimes felt like it was actually really uh, insightful, and other times felt it was really fucking dumb. There's a running mm. gag where 
every time they go to a gas station, all, they order a bunch of stuff, and the price is always $6.66, because that's the devil's number. Do you get it? You oh, get yeah, it? it is. And I was like, okay, sure. It's $6.66. It's a, it's a movie from the 90s, so it's depicting like a generation that we don't have an understanding of, so that might be part of it. But right. uh, And then I also rewatched Mad Max Fury Road. I was doing a rewatch of the the franchise, or of, a first watch for three quarters of it, uh, and I came back to this one, which I have seen before. Um, this is another movie that people call a masterpiece, so it's funny that I'm bringing it up in this episode. People call Fury Road a masterpiece. It is not that good. It is mm. a solid action movie. Would not call it a masterpiece. I think it's good, but... Like, it's it's weird. I don't like, personally, the orange-teal look that was kind of prevalent in the, the time. That was a 2015 movie, so maybe a bit later than, like, I don't know, Transformers is one that comes to mind yeah, for that look. Yeah, like the but, Bay Area. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but some other things that uh, George Miller does, like just like the maximalism, I called it mad maximalism. Uh, he does some, like, mm. weird variable frame rate stuff. Um, the flashbacks to, like... Max's tortured past look look terrible and are also quite corny where it's just like Mad you know Mad Max has this sad past of like his kid was killed and they keep cutting back to like this kid being like Max save me like scary ghost child um Mm. and yeah it's 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 written like an action movie like there's a point where they're openly just talking about what their objectives are and Mad Max is like, oh, what do you, what do you want out of all this Furiosa? And Furiosa says, looking out the window, redemption. And that's it. <laughs> I'm like, like, okay, you just want, okay, sure. Um, so not a lot of nuance there, but uh, it's got a lot of driving and cool car shit. And I mean, what more could you ask for, I guess? So yeah, I thought it was those are mostly praised for its unique visual style. And, uh, and so. for that, like, it has in spades like it's the the guitarist guy strapped to the top of the car mm-hmm. that's cool as shit and like with the flames that's awesome i i yeah. won't deny that the car stuff has never been better i think in this movie nice. but i think in terms of nuance it's also like one of those movies that seems to be kind of feminist but also there's a lot of things that you're like i don't think this is feminist like how mm-hmm. the whole point is that furiosa is trying to save the brides of or like the baby makers for the the bad guy what's his name immortan joe they're trying to steal like the women away but like the women are scantily clad the whole movie and also like they get like like one of the the first time we meet them they are also like wet they've they've been using a hose and it's like mm. like a really cliche kind of like i'm thinking of like the 90s of like wet t-shirt kind of like scenes sure. where like women frolicking like that's kind of what it reminds me of and like i don't think that's a fully feminist idea anyways uh that's all i've seen next week we don't know what we're gonna do it's also gonna be tough for us we'll see but some options include past lives master gardener sanctuary blackberry and the little mermaid we'll see if you like us check us out on instagram at predator v movies uh we're also on twitter i am losing my mind i don't know if i said that already if you like my thoughts on movies check me out on letterbox at underscore alex gordon underscore i leave reviews aiden 
Uh, you can also check me out on Letterboxd. It's 810sunny. That's 810-S-O-N-N-Y. My name is Wabo. I also leave reviews sometimes. Peter, do you have anything to plug? No plugs. What a surprise. What? You know what that means. I stole the words out of your mouth, Aiden. That means leave a review. I forgot what it meant. Uh, leave a review. Yeah. Please, star rating, thumbs up. Uh, tell us what you think. Maybe we'll read it out. Yeah. I That's think how we the got a knows. new review on Spotify. What did oh, we? Really? I yeah, check it out. yeah, yeah. I think originally we were sitting at like 10 ratings. Now we're at 11. Oh, that's what you mean. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. You just mean star rating. Cool. Okay. I, I was looking yeah, at, yeah. I was thinking comments. Okay. Uh, thank you for the star rating, whoever you are, kind person. Uh, awesome. Anyways. Until I've, I, this episode has made me sleep deprived. I've become Aiden. Uh, <laughs> this is just a long one. Uh, until next time, I'm Alex. I'm Peter. I'm Aiden. And this was Predator vs. Movies. See you next week. Pew, 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 pew.